What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Excellent Podcast. I'm your cinematic host, Stefan Whitaker, the head honcho of SW Films. Today, we have a very special guest who was a very special guest before on this podcast, but that episode had a whole bunch of audio issues. So we're running it back for interview two, which is basically interview one again. <laughs> um, this is my really, really good friend who I went to film school with at Full Sail University. Someone who has, I have not seen or worked with in such a long time, probably since graduation. And I'm so happy to be able to have a conversation with him again, um, just about his journey through filmmaking and his journey through everything that he's been going through in the past, I want to say almost six years of us graduating from college, from film school. Uh, my brother, Andrew Domville, is here on the podcast today. Um, this dude is an excellent person, an excellent and wonderful creative director, uh, black man, human being. And, you know, he's looking like Morpheus from Matrix today, but we're very happy <laughs> to have him here on the podcast to talk about everything he's been up to. Andrew, how are you doing? Yo, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's it's great to be on the podcast again. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, this episode, you know, everything we're going to be discussing in this episode uh, life is great right now. You know, we're working on some things and I'm excited to hear some of the stuff that you've got going on as well. And if we can provide some valuable information for some of the listeners here. I mean, I'm all about it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm really, I'm really glad that we get a chance to, um, conversate again, because I feel like since the last time we talked, there was a lot of different, there's a lot of different things that has happened. Um, I'm sure in your life and my life and just, in, in the world in general of the filmmaking space, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. But um, before we get into all of that, um, let my audience who's listening and watching right now know who Andrew Donville is, <clears throat> who Andrew Donville is, what do you do? Um, and just, you know, uh, just speak to your excellence, speak to speak to all the amazing stuff that you do. Okay. Well, my name is Andrew Domville. I am a filmmaker based out of L.A. and Miami. Uh, currently, right now, I'm, I'm juggling a few projects. Recently, just uh, recently just shot a film, my longest film that I've done about a year ago. It's in post-production right now. Currently working with a, a few NFL athletes and um, a few musicians when it comes to product launches and uh, specializing in sort of the social media aspect of marketing. And um, right now, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on in the industry, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but just a lot of interesting things that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. So um, that's me in a nutshell, looking forward to this, uh, this podcast. Absolutely, man. Um, that's great. You've done a lot of amazing stuff in the past six years. And uh, I think we got we got to go back to our beginning when we met, which is Full Sail University. Um, I've spoken about Full Sail on this podcast a lot of different times. And uh, when we spoke about Full Sail the first time, um, it was great because we me and uh, me and Andrew actually hadn't spoke. in I want to say probably six years, which is just insane to think about spoke like in person audibly, or like through. Yeah. yeah, audibly. It's been a long, long time. So that conversation was super, super special. And um, I'll see what I can salvage as well from that interview, maybe to throw in here. But for now, I want to talk about um, just your start when it came to beginning into the film industry, because 
Full Sail is a, is a very interesting start for a lot of folks. And um, I'm interested to just kind of hear how you got to get into the film industry. Like, how did what, what made you want to become a filmmaker? How did you um, how did that decision lead you down the path of getting to Full Sail? Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting when we look at filmmakers, you know, a lot of the filmmakers that we look up to or we aspire to be are, you know, currently working right now that's on top of their game. A lot of them were inspired by George Lucas's, you know, Star Wars, you know, the trilogy, you know, the original trilogy. And um, for me, it was Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. You know, growing up, I was born in 1995, growing up in the late... um, the late ni- the, the late 1990s and the early 2000s, that was the big thing for me. So watching those movies on repeat and then, you know, actually watching it all the way through the credits, I begin to formalize in my mind that, hey, you know what? It actually takes people to actually make these things. You know, you can actually make a movie and that can actually be a job and you can actually get money from doing that. You know, so after continuously watching those kind of films um, and, and studying them, as a youth, when I got into middle school, I started taking, you know, a lot of creative writing and um, that in middle school me. in middle school. Yeah, really middle school. They yes. had creative writing in middle school. That's they never had anything like that for my middle school. <laughs> well, I, it wasn't a class. It was more so for me. Like I in middle school, oh. I started I started writing a novel, which I never finished. But I started writing like so all these kinds of things, you know, and that just learning <laughs> storytelling and, and on that kind of scale. You know, it was when I got into eighth grade and we had to, you know, talk about, you know, what we wanted to do when we got older. Like, what was the job that you want to do? You know, you have people who wanted to be doctors. You have people who want to be firefighters or you know, a lawyer or something like that or a zookeeper or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. But for me, <laughs> for me. And when I was in eighth grade, I said, you know what? I want to be a film director, never knowing what a, what a director actually did or was. Right. I just saw, I just saw, you know, Steven Spielberg directed, you know, Jurassic Park. And I said, okay, that seems like a pretty prominent position. Maybe that's something I might want to do because I love Jurassic Park. So, but I never had the wherewithal to actually pick up a camera and actually start shooting stuff. So mm-hmm. it was for me, I took the approach through writing, creatively through writing. And then that led me to uh, saying, you know what, I might want to go to film school after high school. Um, I was looking at a whole bunch of universities, saw Full Sail, you know, born and raised in Florida. It was a little bit closer to home. So I decided to go ahead and uh, plant my start there at Full Sail. Nice, man. Nice. So, yeah, you obviously from Florida. And um, did you know about Full Sail? Before, because a lot of people who are listening and watching, if you don't know, Full Sail is based in Winter Park, Florida, which is like a suburb of Orlando. Um, did you, I mean, were there any other schools that you were looking at before Full Sail? I was looking at, I was looking at, I believe it was NYU. I was looking at that. Oh, you went straight to looking, the top. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was looking at a few film schools and stuff like that. But for me, um, it was, Full Sail was a little bit more economical. Uh, I was closer to home um, in case, you know, I decided to, I don't know, I was still young, like 18, in case I decided to want it, that I wanted to do something else, you know, it's a little bit closer, you know, I'm not too far away from family if I need to, you know, figure things out. So uh, to me, it just made more sense to go to Full Sail, although, you know, my family is in South Florida, so I was still away, but, you know, it, 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 it kind of, it, it was just more economical. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely a big difference being like maybe, you know, three or four hours away compared to being uh, 2000 miles away. Like, you know, obviously me, when I moved out to Florida, it was a big deal because um, I had never obviously lived outside of where I had grown up ever, you know, in in Indiana and Angola, Indiana, definitely never had been anywhere else. Plus, I don't think I had any uh, family in Florida, at least not any family that anybody knew about necessarily so uh which was interesting because at the very end of full sale i did have a cousin who i'd never met until until she moved to florida uh who lived there you know and went to full sale actually and i forget what she went for i think she went for something in music and it's funny i met her one time and never seen her again and <laughs> never spoke to her again i don't even remember what her her fucking name is so <laughs> it's, it's kind of just funny because of that but anyway yeah, no, I agree. It's it's good to stay close by, and and it's you know it's crazy to think about all the different options that you may have had before full sale. Because uh, I remember I went to a place called Goshen College. I think that was the name. Universe, not University of Goshen, but Goshen College. And uh, I tried to go to, into there, see what their film program, we'll call it, was, which wasn't really film. It was like I think it was more television broadcasting type of situation, and. Uh, it just wasn't exciting. It just wasn't. It wasn't interesting to me. It wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I because I remember that was the only school, the only college. Because I also thought about going to college for, to play football, you know. But then I realized kind of quickly that football probably wasn't really my passion to get into like that. Um, but uh, I thought I, it was the only school I went to to go visit, <clears throat> and it was interesting because. When I went in there, you know, I did get a chance to see a little bit of like a TV studio type of thing, but it was very minute compared to what we would see at Full Sail all the time on the studio. Uh, I remember Candyland, like there was all these different kinds of places that were so, you know, that just makes Full Sail really kind of give you the idea of like what a film set is like. And I'm sure a lot of other schools have that, but Full Sail kind of promotes that a little bit more. I feel like, you know how, tell me if this is true or not, but like, before you went to full sale, right? Before you decided to make that decision, did you eventually start to see <clears throat> a lot of? Uh, did you eventually start to see a lot of like marketing and branding for full sale, or at least after you decided to make that decision to go to full sale, did you just start to see a whole bunch of commercials that was just like promoting full sale and what it offers and music and film and gaming and all these different kinds of stuff? Did that? Did you have? Did you see that? Because I saw that a lot. I feel like afterwards and even beforehand just a little bit i did i i did see a lot of marketing and advertisement for full, full sale um the only thing that makes sense to me is that you know maybe went through our research of googling the actual school clicking on the website and stuff like that you know how certain websites have those have sort of your information where they can where they can sort of market toward market to you that's the yeah. only thing that kind of makes sense because I was getting YouTube ads. I was getting other ads and stuff like that. And, you know, the Internet's like this culmination of just all this immense information of just oh, yeah. basically searching. So it, it tailors everything to your search. So that's the only thing that kind of makes sense to me because I was seeing a lot, like a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. from full. So even after graduating, I still see stuff and I don't even look at the school anymore. So, um, yeah, you know. Why is that? Why don't you look at the school anymore? Well, we gra- we graduated. We graduated. There's no reason for me to look at it anymore. Well, I mean, yes and yes. But, you know, it's interesting. Actually, two things that happened since our last attempt of, at a conversation. Um, yeah. 
I had two people reach out to me and I, and I don't remember their names off top. Um, well, one of them actually, no, I do remember because he's the most recent person. There's a kid named Dustin. I don't remember what his last name, the, some kid named Dustin and then the other kid, I forget, but they're both at full sale mm-hmm. right now. And they're in their first month. You know how full sale goes by the months. <clears throat> they're at their first month at full sale. And, um, they reached out to me asking, you know, uh, like, hey, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I heard, I know you went to Full Sail, you're a Full Sail alumni, and I was just asking how can, like, how do I do certain things in the industry after I graduate? Like, what was life like for you post-graduation? All that. They asked a bunch of different questions, you know, to kind of figure out for themselves. And honestly, my first reaction to that was, Okay, how the hell do they find my name first and foremost? How do they know I went to full sale? That was my first thing. Because usually when people message me out of context, um, when they message me out of context, I'm instantly like, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I get a little weary about that. <laughs> I mean, I know that I'm I know that I'm a very like social person in terms of just like promoting myself and and marketing and branding for SW Films and whatnot so i was just you know I, you know obviously i was just kind of like okay what are these what are these kids what are these kids talking about but they go to full sale so i instantly was like okay they go to full sale they have questions i didn't know if like a teacher there specifically gave my name and said hey you should go check out stefan that was my thing i'm like what teacher said that because i didn't talk to any of the i didn't have a close relationship with any teachers at full sale at all so i was just very confused but also interested um and then i realized you know how full sale always um for all the major movies that come out, they always, and I'll probably put this picture up in the, in the video version of the podcast, but um, there was a, or you can check it out on my Facebook, Instagram, whatever, but you know how they uh, post up the, the alumni credits who that have worked in this, in the big movies. My name was in the credits, not actually in the credits of Shang-Chi legend of 10 rings, but they put it up as, Hey, Stefan Whitaker graduated in 2016 worked on uh shang chi legend of 10 rings and that was just you know for me that was always one of those things i would love to see uh from full sale just as far as like you know adding my name in those little alumni credits like that that to me felt really special because never once have i been acknowledged by full sale <laughs> or any school that i've gone to for that matter i mean at least not publicly right maybe didn't in, in private in private i don't know about that but publicly for sure that was the first time and yes i was in a list of other folks but it was interesting because i was the only person in that full sale alumni list that was in the film degree who worked on the movie and the only person who i was the youngest class to graduate at 2016 so that was kind of a very interesting situation and very cool and um i'm just super excited to see you know obviously we're filming this podcast before um venom 2 and matrix resurrections comes out but i would hope and expect to see my name in there and those alumni credits as well but that fest that felt special and that's how those kids found me um and it was just interesting hearing these kids you know basically ask questions about you know life after full sale and all this kind of stuff and you know obviously we both have different um we both have similar and different opinions about full sale which is what we're going to get into but, uh, you know, I just kind of told them to the, I told them the honest truth. I was like, hey, you know, Full Sail is a great school. If you know how to use your resources 
and right. You know, basically, like if you have good rapport with your teachers and, you know, your classmates and stuff, build that up, you know. Um, and I told them, I think the, the number one important thing I told them is make sure that you do work outside of school, too. Don't just try to only do work in school and don't think that your student film is going to be the is going to be the end all be all to getting the gold, you know, like, no, absolutely not. No one's going to give a fuck about that student film. If we're being completely honest, like no one's going to care. They're going to care about the outside work that you do. And um, that's the most important thing, because you'll learn probably more outside of school or just as much outside of school as you do in school when you're making projects and stuff. So um, I just felt really cool that two kids reached out to me, two random kids who are in full sale. That felt really great. And, uh, you know, just reminds me of my quote unquote leadership responsibilities that sometimes get placed upon me. But um, that was cool. So I, I hope, you know, shout out to those two kids, Dustin. And I'm going to I am going to find the other kid's name because I don't want to I don't want to not. Oh, Gabriel, Dustin and Gabriel. Shout out to those two kids. If you happen to be listening, me and Andrew appreciate you, <laughs> even though Andrew doesn't know you and I don't know you either. But we appreciate you um, anyway. Full sale. Let's talk about it, man, because full sale is uh, full sale is something to behold what was your time like at full sale what was that first month like for you at full sale like were you expecting something completely different when you first like sat down in the classroom like what were you, what, what was your experience like as at uh, film school well honestly when when i started uh film school i believe we started film school august of 2014 yeah. so so when we started um, I don't know what our first class was. I think it was digital literacy. I could be wrong about that. I think that was our first class. I think class. it was, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for me, um, my expectations starting film school was under the impression that, okay, we're just going to get right into it. We're going to start, you know, learning about production, uh, be able to pick up a camera and, with, you know, with just take off and continue to keep going. Uh, it wasn't that way. You know, we sort of had these classes that we had before we got to the production classes, which were, you know, I think a few months before we actually picked up a camera and, uh, yeah. and everything like that. So um, Full Sail is not, it, it's, it's a good school. I had a good time. I, I think the most valuable thing you can do when you go to Full Sail is uh, build your network. I think your network is everything. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the work that you do, you want to build a portfolio. The work you do outside of school, very important, you know, because that builds experience. But I think also, too, one thing that I neglected, I can only speak for myself, one thing that I neglected when I was in film school was that I never really grew my network that big, you know. Besides, you know, the people that we hung out with, you know, Deshaun, uh, Trevor, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know Ty and you shout know, out to guys. all the guys. Yeah, all those guys, even even Ethan and Nathan. You know, all those. All, we yeah. you know we 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 talked and we we hung out and did stuff. You know, so um, that was really our group. I never really connected with all these other people, and that is sort of something that I saw um, graduating full style that I could have improved on. You know, because mm -hmm. it is what you said uh, earlier. Um, when you were talking about those two people that reached out to you, it's, it's what you make of it. Um, you go there, you're, you're only going to get what you, what you put in. So if you put in a lot, you're going to get a lot. If you put in, you know, a little, you're not going to get that much, you know, you got to right. full sell is an opportunity at the end of the day. So with that opportunity, you want to make the best out of it. 
So that means mm -hmm. starting, networking, building, you know, relationships and, and making projects outside of school. When we started digital literacy, I was like, okay, you know, this is, you know, this isn't exactly what I thought. But, you know, eventually, eventually after we were doing those classes, I had this lightning in a bottle idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make a short film. You know, I'm tired of, uh, of, of just sitting here and just, you know, not doing what it is that I feel the need or the urge to do. Mm. So, you know what? I got some of the classmates in the class to go ahead and make a short film called Life. Uh, it's not public. So you don't really have to worry about it, but it is on my IMDb. <laughs> so I have to acknowledge it. I have to acknowledge it. So, um, but we, we went out and we made that film and yeah. that, ex that experience was such uh, an incredible enriching experience because for one, I made so many mistakes, so yeah. many mistakes. And um, those were healthy and good mistakes to make because I was able to learn and get better at the craft. But Got a whole bunch of people that were in class, went out, shot some stuff. Uh, I thought this was going to be the one to get me to Sundance. Uh, it turned out <laughs> that wasn't the thing. Um, but Funny. it was a great learning experience and one that I will always take with me. So uh, absolutely, that was, the, that was the earlier parts of Full Sail for me. Yeah, you know, Full Sail, um, man, Full Sail, like saying the name Full Sail, like to me, right? Full sale is has become such a it's a weird full circle moment in a way for me with the whole Shang Chi situation. Um, with as far as like you know, just the alumni list, it was really cool because like I said, I never felt any acknowledgement from school. And like you said, is just the maybe not a regret, but just like you know that you didn't put in as much time to network with certain folks, you know, to build that network up. I'm completely in the same in the same boat. I definitely did not network well enough at all in full sale. Um, of course, I had my friends who I always was around. Um, you know, Deshaun, Trevor, Ty, Nick Lambertson, Jose, Dari, uh, man, you, you know, really y'all are like all the Freddie. Y'all are like the people I would name right off the bat hands down shout out to all of those guys i plan on interviewing all of them eventually um but basically you know full sale how it became for how it became for me was just i think a lot of people were cool with a lot of teachers you know that was like one of the ways to kind of you know these these teachers who you would expect have worked in the industry and have known some things and you know there's a few people like that like um shout out nikki wilson nikki wilson of course uh I remember she I remember she had told us that she had worked with on Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World, actually, um, yeah. when that yeah, came out. Did. And I remember that was really, really cool. And she was, of course, in like a secretary position. She wasn't like on set, I think. But like still, I'm like, yeah, that's dope. That's hella cool. You get to you're you're hearing a lot of behind the scenes stuff financially about the film. Like, that's really cool. Um, and she also worked on the really bad Fantastic Four. <laughs> Fant Four stick is what, it was, what a lot of people called it. Um, she worked on that and, uh, you know, and that was just really, really cool just to be like, wow, she's worked on this. And I remember the one teacher and I forget his name. I don't know if you remember his name, but he was a teacher that would, he cussed a lot. He was the one teacher who just didn't give a shit about nothing. And I, I don't remember what class he was in, but he worked on dead presidents, which I also thought was really cool. Um, you know, he was the only, actually, he was the first person I think I'd ever 
really had heard and met in person who's worked on a like older movie like that. So I thought that was kind of was, cool. Was he, you know, not to cut you off, was he the guy yeah. that when we were doing like that 10 to 15 picture lighting story? Was it like that, that May- 15 picture lighting story? Was that, was that the guy you're talking about? Uh, maybe. I, I can't really remember, to be honest. I don't remember what okay. class he taught. I just remember he was okay. kind of he was kind of he kind of stood out. Like, here's the thing, right? Teacher wise, like there's a few teachers that stood out to me. Nikki was one of those people because I remember in Nikki's class specifically, um, and I forget what class that was, but Nikki did open up me specifically uh, to a just a wider range of what the film industry means and what it holds. You know, it's more than just doing short films, feature films. There's music videos, there's commercials, there's documentaries, there's infomercials, there's PSAs. There's all these different types of mediums in in this filmmaking world, which is really, really cool. And I just remember I really like that was the moment for me where I kind of thought to myself, okay. with that being said, it's almost like I'm learning something that I already knew because I loved music videos beforehand. I didn't really think to myself when I was watching music videos before film school, like I'm going to create a music video because I just never thought that, you know, even though back in the day I thought I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> I never looked, I never even envisioned, envisioned that for myself, you know? So it was just like, I was, I was watching all these different things. I've watched different commercials and documentaries. We see commercials all the time on TV. Uh, it was just cool to like put that together. And from the, all that knowledge and information that she gave, I kind of, that's when it kind of formed for me what I can do for SW films slightly. So, and even though Nikki, I kind of felt like in no shade to Nikki, but I did feel like, Sometimes Nikki didn't maybe she kind of like turned her face away from me and and, and our group a little bit. Um, not saying that's pers- that's like a, a purposeful thing, but I didn't necessarily see too much like care or want maybe in some of the things that I kind of wanted to ask and try to reach out to. So um, I never really got that good close relationship that would have been cool. But regardless, shout out to Nikki. Um, she's great. And uh, she's been supportive now after seeing stuff like most people have all of a sudden have became, but that's another story. Um, she stood out to me because of all that information. I think the digital literacy teacher that, you, that, that we had, he actually stood out to me too. I think his name was Andrew Geimer. Uh, yes, I have, yeah, him. Andrew Geimer. I actually have him. He follows me on Instagram and, or something like maybe on Facebook too. But uh, Andrew was really cool because he kind of did kick off like, a nice energy like he was just a nice guy i don't necessarily remember anything in particular but i do remember i took a picture with him which i thought was very funny <laughs> i took a picture with this teacher and then to never speak to this teacher ever again but that was kind of cool you know andrew geimer i thought was a cool teacher there's a teacher who i don't remember his name but he cussed a lot he was really funny just vulgar not vulgar but just very uh obtuse in character uh very very just interesting guy i forget his name and then um there was the director teacher Kevin O'Neill, who he didn't really stick out much, but he stuck out because he was in the directing class, and that was the one class that I wanted to pay attention to the most because um, me, Stefan Whitaker, am a director, uh, writer, producer, as well as Andrew himself. Um, that's what our main goals in this film industry are, uh, and also what we do. So obviously, I wanted to focus more on that class, and uh, Kevin was really cool, really nice. Um, still a very nice guy and uh, other teachers. I don't know. I feel like there was some kind of like, there was, I don't know. I think that was kind of it. 
I feel like those are the only teachers I can really remember offhand. I kind of remember the documentary teacher a little bit. Um, I kind of remember him just because I remember him saying that he had a documentary business and made a lot of money sometimes. Uh, I also remember somewhat of the teacher from the our broad HD broadcast class. I don't know if you remember that, the drama of that class. I don't know if you remember that, um, the drama that happened there between like me, Eugene, Nick. Uh, that was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I remember because we were we were in the we were in the same class. We were in the we same were, class. Yeah, we yeah, were in the same I class. I mean, you remember you remember that dancing video when we were up on the stage, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We were shout in the same. To, class. Shout out so, to Donna Davis. Donna, Donna is, Davis, is also yeah. a great filmmaker. I've, I don't know where she's based at now, but I, I definitely got to get her on the podcast too. But Donna had recorded it. I remember that, and yeah, your dancing was very bad, and mine was bad. And I actually hope that uh, it video. Was, it was good, bad. It was good, bad. It was good, nah, bad. Nah, nah, nah. I hope that video never comes to light. I did see that one time on a Facebook memory. <laughs> yeah, I had I had to hurry up and scrub past it because I'm like I don't ever want to see that again. Um, <laughs> that was bad, but uh, yeah, there was a, some drama in that class, man. Which is which is something I want to talk about too. Like full sale for you, right? Like, tell tell me if this is true, because this was kind of true for me, and it was and it was very. I'm gonna say it was very disappointing that I kind of like. It kind of came into my mind a little bit, but one thing I hated about high school, right, was high school drama. Like, high school drama is one of those things where it's 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 drama that you know is not important. It's not important. It's nothing that's gonna shake shake the timeline of your life. Maybe it might shake some timelines depending on how crazy it is, but most high school drama, the consistent high school drama does not shake anything. It doesn't shake a leg, nothing, not important. And uh, it was just hella interesting. Um, it was hella interesting when it came to full sale, because at a certain point, full sale started to become high school drama in some ways, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And it disappointed me. Um, I want to tell the podcast this story uh, about the, about that situation in HD, HD broadcast. Or maybe I should wait, Loki, because what interviewing Nick <laughs> is the one. Nick, Nick is the person. I am. Gonna, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for the pot to tell when I bring Nick on the podcast. But specifically, there's a situation in this HD broadcast for the, those of you that don't know what HD broadcast is. It's basically like news broadcasting sports broadcast so everything that you would expect to see in that realm is what we were learning in class that was the most boring and stupidest ass class ever at full sale in my opinion um one because i just am not interested in any sort of hd or sports broadcasting like that at all that's not what i that's nothing that i wanted to do in the film world to me it, it doesn't it doesn't abide it doesn't buy to my creative uh creative ability and creative you know um, opportunities or whatever so i just didn't want to do that but basically, long story less long is we uh, it was just almost a fight that happened on that class between me. Not really between me, because I, I didn't really there was nothing really much that said to me. I didn't really move much of a leg. I just told somebody to get the hell away from me. And then Nick was. Yeah, Nick was going off. But anyway, we'll tell that story another time. But drama, though, there, there was just a lot of drama that I seen because, you know, a lot of people wanted to one up each other in class. And it's very unfortunate that people wanted to do that. Because, you know, it, it people kind of got this Hollywood mindset stuck in their heads right from the very beginning. And uh, it's just kind of unfortunate that that uh, that that became a thing, you know, for um, for school, you know, because the, the, we 
how it goes. We, we graduate by the, by the month, I believe. Right. Every single month there's a graduation, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something full sale is not a, your typical school too. You know, full sale is, it's a trade school. Technically, you know, we graduated in two years. We went in 2014, graduated in 2016. It's not your usual school. Every graduation, every month, not every school does that. <laughs> the schools graduate by the year. We, we were, graduate we were every also, month. We were, we were also in the accelerated program. Yeah, so they had different program. programs. So we, we, we were able to turn those, you know, three to four years that we would actually do at a traditional school into a condensed two years, a little bit less than right. that, you know. Exactly. So it's just like, it was kind of crazy. Um, it was kind of crazy to just have to run it to, to go through some of the, some of the stuff that we went through, but I mean, did, did it feel like that for you a little bit? Did you have like some unnecessary uh, drama that kind of like made you kind of think differently on your experience at school? Well, you know, the thing is, is that life is drama. I, I, I don't I, like anywhere you go in life, there's always going to be good recovery. No, I mean, it, it, that's what it is though. I mean, High school, college, you get out there in real life, relationships, our 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 career stuff. There's always some type of drama. I, I think absolutely. You know, I think it's the same thing that we said before. You know, things happen, and you just make the best out of that situation. Um, for me, I mean, there are a lot of instructors that I've learned from immensely. Uh, shout out to Nikki that that, that we were talking about, but also Kevin O'Neill. Um, he, I'm still very close with him, although I deleted Facebook. Uh, I'm still very close with Kevin and what? Um, yeah, I deleted Facebook a long time ago, bro. I mean, you, you know, you didn't know that. No, um, I never knew. I mean, you were, yeah, you were on yeah. Facebook, but, but even when you were on it, you were never on it. So like, yeah, same with I, Trevor. I, but I, I only, I only, I only got Facebook because when I was the director, when I got director for DCI, they wanted to make a Facebook group. You know, so that way we can share information and, you know, everybody had their position, stuff like that. And me being the director, they say, hey, man, you have to have a Facebook. I fought it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get Facebook. I didn't believe in it. Um, <laughs> I didn't believe in it. Yeah, hold on. Wait a minute, man. How do you not believe in it? Because you I wasn't what? I wasn't into social media like I wasn't I wasn't in social media like that. Even when in high school. Yeah, I wasn't in. I never used social media. And look, I never even really knew how to use a computer. I got the full cell. That first <laughs> class that we were, that that first class that we were in. Um, you remember Doug, right? Was it Doug Steele, right? You remember him? I don't know his Doug. last name. I forget his Kinda last name. Familiar. But you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember Doug. Yeah, Shout out to Doug. Yeah, very nice. Guy. I love nice Doug. Guy. Love Doug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice guy. Um, he actually taught me how to use the computer. Okay, that's. Funny. I didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to do anything. I was like helpless. And then Jonathan, Jonathan Federici, uh, who's doing yeah. some big stuff in Columbia. Shout Col- out to Jonathan. Some, Shout out to him. Yeah, he's doing some big stuff in Columbia right now. I'm oh, very yeah. proud of him. Um, watching from the sidelines, cheering him on. I know he's going to do some extraordinary stuff. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, honestly, a top five filmmaker I ever met in my life, to be honest. He's that good. Wow. Um, if he just stays focused, then he'll, he'll, be, he'll be able to do some – incredible things but um he taught me how to edit like i wasn't tech savvy when i got to full so i didn't know anything i didn't even really know how to use a phone and i'm not exaggerating i was yeah. i was the only thing the only thing i had to offer was this creative itch this this exploration of writing that really fascinated me and the the idea or the notion of storytelling you know so 
getting into full cell, learning all this kind of stuff, having to get a Facebook that was against my wishes. Uh, I think that led <laughs> that led to some uh, unfortunate decisions I made in the future. But either way, oh, um, gosh. <laughs> either way, either either way, I think uh, I think there's drama anywhere you go. And of course, there are some yeah. things when 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 we were in full cell. Um, that weren't the best experiences. Um, that's life in general. And as I continue to get older um, and I look back on those experiences, those experiences taught me so much and has gotten me to the place that I am today. You know, being that kid, uh, that 18 year old something that was in college, taking his shirt off for pictures and, 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 and yeah, and, and doing like projects and stuff, which were never my idea. It was always the, the group of people that I worked with. They always said, hey, Andrew, you know, it'd be great. Take your shirt off. Just get this shot right here. And I said, OK, just do it. Just do it. Me being gullible, I go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, I look back <laughs> on some of that stuff and it's not the best stuff. But I will say to, 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 to look back at your to, to go back to your question that we were talking about previously, um, there are some experiences when we were doing DCI, I didn't have the best uh, experience making that film. Um, the film that I directed for them was Lonely. Um, and like I said, it taught me an immense amount about filmmaking. But then after that experience, after that experience of, of making that film for them, I decided to, you know, learn as much as I could in school, the theoretical part of uh, filmmaking, but the experience, the practical I was going to do that outside of film school, which meant doing spec commercials, doing a music video, entering into competitions and learning, you know, like doing the Dorito commercial, learning my craft, you know, outside of film school. Because I, I realized that um, from that one experience, it kind of left a scar. And I was like, you know what, let me just take everything that they're teaching me in, in school and apply that outside. And to be honest right. with you, it's helped me immensely. It's helped me grow a portfolio. It's helped. I've get. I've gotten all my clients, all my work, still from from projects that I've done in that range of 2015 and 2016, um, mm -hmm. excluding the stuff that I'm doing now, which I think is just much. You know, it's is. I, I think it's the qualities there, and I'm much. Uh, I'm a mature filmmaker um, than right. I was, you know, back then. So, um, yeah, there's drama everywhere you go. Uh, don't get sucked into it. And uh, focus on what you got to do. That's that's my advice. <laughs> very good. Very good answer. Very good answer. I mean, yeah, you're right. There, that is 1000% true. There's drama everywhere you go. Nothing is perfect. Uh, no situation, no place, no person is perfect. Um, and, I, and I realize that so much more continually, continuously as I go on throughout life and throughout my career as well. I mean, there's been drama that I've been kind of somewhat involved into out here in, in, in the Bay Area in California. And I think that just goes to the idea of high school Wait, wait, drama. wait a minute. Wait a minute, Stefan. There was drama in the Bay Area. There was drama when you went back to Indiana. There was drama at Full Sail in high school. You sure you're not the drama? You sure you're not bringing the drama, <laughs> oh, my brother? I, I, gotta, I gotta question that, man, because there's drama oh, everywhere you go. <laughs> No, nah, no, now, now, absolutely not. I ain't gonna let you do okay, all that. All right. Okay. The thing is, is drama wise, <laughs> drama wise. No, nah, I mean, because here, here's the thing, right? I'm just, I'm just messing with him. No, no, no. I'm glad you bring it up though, because there's, there's different types of levels to it. I think you, you know, possibly. 
not possibly, but for sure there's different levels to it. Like me personally at full sale, I never once had an issue with anybody outwardly. I never, I never had to really check someone in person. There's people who annoy the shit out of me. Like the dudes, what the hell are they called? They call themselves the GPS boys or GSP. I don't know. You know, three white dudes who Jonathan Waldron is actually hella cool. Shout out to Jonathan Waldron. He's a very amazing photographer, cinematographer, very dope dude. The other two, I don't know what the hell they'd be doing. Um, I think the other one actually had like a film in Sundance, actually, which is John. John John Waldron was uh, the cinematographer on Lonely. Yeah, my director for Full Sail. So yeah, he's he's extremely talented. Extremely go great. Do some talented guy. Gonna do some great stuff. Yeah, the other two were probably pretty good too. At least the the I don't know about the dude who tried to act like he was James Dean. I don't think he. I don't know where he's at. But <laughs> the uh, the other dude, the dude Will. Uh, even though he was annoying as shit, I'm sorry. Will, you... Will no, Will's doing some extraordinary stuff, yeah. bro. No, he's I doing mean, some he, great. He, no, he's doing great he, things. I seen it. Yeah, he's, he's I think he has things. a movie in Sundance, doing great stuff. Two, but... two films, two, two films. films. That's yeah. very great. South by you know South what I mean? yeah. Doing a very, very good. It, but it does not deny the fact that he was an asshole in college. <laughs> so great stuff. I hope you fix that part of yourself. Uh, but other than that, you know, specifically when it comes to drama, I never had any issues with anybody. Now, after college, when I went home to Indiana and then just home at Indiana, there's definitely some drama that I was involved in, but it was more just based on maybe having to cut myself off from certain people. Um, funniest story I'm actually going to tell you, this is, this is, I'm glad cause there's, there's not a lot of conversations based on our times in between college and now or you know yeah after college that we have really gotten a chance to speak about but there was one situation this is this is i think i may have told this on a vlog probably not but this is going to be special for the podcast um there was a situation one time where you know i was trying to get an opportunity to have a business manager and uh basically someone who's going to bring in more commercial content and bring in more commercial clients to me so specifically, whether that's local businesses or major businesses, uh, you know, franchises and stuff like that, it was something it was more in that realm. I had two people approach me for this. Right. Um, one dude was somebody who he didn't go to high school with me, but he was he went to a school that was kind of like a rival school to Angola called Prairie Heights, um, like for football and basketball, that kind of stuff. And uh, I didn't really know his background, but Prairie Heights uh, for all of the people in Indiana in the Northeast Indiana area. Prairie Heights is the only school that I know of specifically that has somewhat of a film and tell not film, but a television and photography style studio class. Um, and that was always interesting that Prairie Heights out of all schools had it. Let me just tell you, this school is like, it's, it's basically in the sticks. It's basically in the country <laughs> and there's not a, it's not a big population in the school and they have a film and t- like Angola. We're going to talk about that eventually, but I'm trying to bring something like that to Angola. I'm not going to be the teacher, but I'm I'm trying to bring that to Angola because I want, I want that for him. I want that for my hometown. But anyway, the school had it, this dude, I'm not going to say any names, but came in and tried to be a business manager for me. And he didn't really do, he, it was, he was very compelling the first few times we had met, but after, after that, he kind of just decided to stop. You know, he just decided to stop. He didn't have any energy for it. And that's fine. He couldn't keep up with the type of energy that I was bringing. So I had to just move on from that. Another guy reached me who I was dealing with at the same time. So I actually dealt with these, these 
two people at the same time. And um, the other guy, one of the, the first dude was a white man. I'm not saying that really makes, makes the difference, but maybe. Um, and the other dude was a black dude who was a little bit older than me. The, the first guy, the white kid, was like my age. The black dude was a little bit older. He's probably like in his 30s or something. And this dude was a very slick talker. Very slick talker. Um, he could sell sand to a beach. You know what I mean? He could sell salt to a slug. He can sell ink to a pen. He can sell keys to a, to a, a piano. Like he's one of them type of guys. And um, he definitely sold me on a few things. The thing is, though, is that we didn't necessarily talk too much about what we could do business wise for me. And I want to say SW Films was created at this time. Or maybe not. I can't necessarily remember. I think SW Films wasn't a thing then. Um, but yeah, so basically, you know, it came to a point where I got tired of the, the first guy because he just gave up. And then this other guy who I dealt with, we only had two conversations. And none of those conversations were about business thoroughly. No contracts were made. Nothing. Nothing was really talked about and what the possibilities are. We spoke about, you know, maybe a few things that could happen, but not to them, not to my expectations, because I'm not there. When I was in Indiana, especially during that time, you know, I, I was very naive to just trying to bring along whoever wanted to help out and whoever, you know, had interest in SW films. Now it's not like that, especially because my notoriety is growing a little bit more. And I just have to be more careful about the things that the people and things that I bring around me, um, as you do, you have to do yourself as well. But um basically long story less long i made a post on facebook which i would say is probably the mistake that i made maybe before for this drama to happen but i basically just say yeah look i've had these people try to come help me out and yeah i can't have this type of energy da, 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 da. people suck da, 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 whatever i forget exactly the exact way i said it but basically this guy <clears throat> who did that who who reached out to me was like uh he wanted he said i'm gonna take you to court and da da da, da all this kind of stuff and wanted to sue me I'm thinking to myself, bro, what are you talking about? We didn't have any paper contract, nothing. Ain't nothing was said that said, hey, you're going to help me out with this stuff for a certain amount of X amount of time. And he was like certain amount of percentage of money. Like, bro, what? So it, it kind of became to a point. It, it just was funny how that drama ensued. And somebody I knew knew him personally, um, you know, and that situation kind of got handled from there. But. Other than that, personally, I, I just thought that was a very uh, that was one of them drama that dramas that I remember. But a lot of my drama wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that I'm bringing drama. I don't I don't ever bring it. I have def I definitely have an opinion. Um, I believe you, bro. I believe you. I know you don't bring the drama. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just went on a whole rant. But um, you know, drama happens everywhere you go, and this happened out here too. It's, it, the drama has mainly just been. You know, sometimes sometimes I feel like people some people exhaust their relationships. Some people don't um, some people don't know how to how to really, you know, collaborate and interact with people. You know, one thing that's the one thing that's very important in this industry. And I also wish I could have told this to the full sale people. And I would say this to any creative out there is you have to you have to be passionate with your emotions of how you attach yourself self to your projects. But you have to. You can't be so sensitive to where ever like because the moment you open up your heart, someone is going to shoot an arrow into that shit just to just to break you down. And sometimes no one's intentionally doing doing that. Sometimes the situation and an environment 
just causes for you to get hit with a stray bullet. And it's like, how are you going to react to that? You know, and um, that's just one thing that is very important. I, I me personally, I kind of walk around sometimes with a very nonchalant attitude because at the same time, I have to remember what is really, really important to me. You know what I mean? There's there, there's there's only a few specific things that are really, really important to me. And, and when those things get affected, sure, I, I got something to complain about, worry about, whatever. But even then, you know, it's just like you have to learn how to react to those things. And I think that's very important. But we, so, But we also, you know, to, to piggyback off what you're saying is that, yeah. you know, there are a lot of people in the industry right now that are a little jaded. Um, very. Just, just, yeah, just because of, it's, it's exactly what you said. Being an artist, being a storyteller, being a craftsman, or whatever you want to categorize yourself as in the industry, um, you put yourself into your work. A lot of us mm -hmm. do. Uh, I'm guilty of it. And I, I don't really even think it's something you should feel guilt over. I mean, definitely you not. bring your you bring your experience, you bring your insight, you bring everything your, yourself essentially into your project, into your work. It's like it's like opening up a wound or a band-aid, like you write what you know. Right. Uh, Ernest Hemingway has this great quote where he says, there's nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed like and that's that, what yeah. it is. That's what it is. You just you open up your wounds and you, you give yourself over to the process. And in doing so, yeah, if someone shoots it down, if someone says something that's a little negative, I mean, you put everything, all this effort, all this passion um, and, and action into something. Mm -hmm. That in your hoping, ideally, it resonates with almost anyone who, who comes into contact with it. That's the thing about art. That's the thing about filmmaking in general. It's subjective, you know? So what might be for someone may not be for another person. And it took me a while to get the hang of that. And I think it's a good thing why I got off of Facebook, because a lot of people are so excited and so enthusiastic on sharing their opinion there's nothing wrong with sharing your opinion i'm not it, for me i think you can get into problems in saying oh well this person's right or this person's wrong or something like that no you have your opinion i have my opinion doesn't make it right doesn't make it wrong we just have our, our different opinions and that's it you know what i mean but when you put so much time and effort into something your passion your work i have this film right now that i've i've put a lot into and every time I look at it, I see all the mistakes. I see all the things I could have done wrong. And at the end of the day, I'm my worst critic. Um, mm. So even if someone says something that's a little negative, even if someone says something, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. I know at the end of the day, if I'm going to be honest with myself, real with myself and true to me, I have to acknowledge all those things that I've done wrong, all those setbacks, all those things I could that I can improve on in the future and, and get my craft to, to move and progress the way it needs to. So I, I'd say be wary of, of other people's opinions and advice, you know, but at the end of the day, it matters what you think of your work. So someone may exactly. have a, a, a different opinion. It may hurt, you know, you may find yourself a little jaded and a little nonchalant in, in, in other aspects and stuff like that. But, I would say, honestly, stay as passionate and be as emotional as you can, because artists are emotional beings. We are absolutely, yeah. We're natural. We're we're naturally emotional. Oh, we're naturally sensitive. I don't know why you know being sensitive has this negative connotation at, to it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being sensitive. When you're passionate about your work and you give everything to it, you're damn right. 
you're going to be sensitive to how it's perceived and, and everything like that, because you're putting yourself out there. It's not just the work. The work is, is an extension of yourself. You're putting your work and in, in yourself out there, hoping that people are going to receive it well. And then when it's rejected, it's, they're not just rejecting your work. It feels like they're rejecting you. Mm. And when it feels like they're rejecting you, then it can become personal. And it's like, well, don't make it personal. Right. But then we are artists. We have to make it personal. Everything is personal. I would just say, you know, handle it professionally. And uh, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. Does it make it right? Does it make it wrong? That's just how mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. The only kickback I would give on the sensitivity part is maybe just the timeline of the sensitivity. You know, like yeah. Yeah. your product having, you know, someone some someone reviewing your product ne negatively or something like that i can get where there can be some sensitivity there but yeah even if it's not your product sometimes if you're just working you're working on you know um on something and you kind of get dealt with a situation to where you feel like you might be held responsible for something typically bad or negative that you may have done and then you know uh the very moment that you get dealt with the 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 the, con the consequences of that you you really fall and flake under pressure and uh i you know it's just it's interesting i mean there's a certain situation of a person who i'm not going to name that i know like that out here in the bay and uh i hear about it and i'm like damn you know i, I really and i just kind of see how how se being sensitive like that can really kind of fuck you over in this industry um, and a lot of people don't like that because you have to have a very tough skin out here in this industry, man. Like you have yeah, to, yeah, you, yeah, you, you know, you have to. And um, mm -hmm. luckily, see, my thing is, is how I kind of came into full sale and how I also kind of come into to um, I would say how I come into just also here in the industry is sometimes I remember when I went to full sale. I, I was I was I was the ex football player, right? This this big black dude, obviously not as wildly steroided up like yourself. <laughs> I'm just playing, <laughs> but we'll that get to that one. too. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> you know, but um, I just looked at it as that a lot, you know. And then my thing is, that I used to I honestly, I'll keep it all the way honest. I used to be like, all right, look, ain't nobody gonna come in here and play with me because I'll just beat the ass. That's how I, that's how I thought. That's how I thought, and you know. It wasn't always a good way to think like that when I think about it and still to this day. Right. Because the, as much as you might get annoyed by somebody on set, some and, and just in general in life, how you might get mad and angry about a certain situation. Sometimes you have to realize what is personal and what is not personal. And that's where the sensitivity has to you have to check yourself. You know, for instance, I love my my cousin Hilton Day, <laughs> my cousin Hilton has given me so much just in my career out here and has helped me get a great, uh, a great start in out here in the Bay. And, and I, and I appreciate that. But when I work with him, sometimes I'd be wanting to, I want, I'd be wanting to whoop his ass. <laughs> and I love you, Hilton. If you happen to listen, I want to whoop his ass sometimes. Um, you know what I mean? Because my, my thing is when I was younger teachers, right. I always used to look weird about how teachers would talk to you when you're not there, when like, when you're not their child, they would talk to you like in these very reprimanding ways and, and very like, you know, strict ways. And I didn't, I never liked that. 
Never. I'm like, I was, I'd always be like in my mind, you're not my mom. Why are you talking to me like this? You know what I mean? Like I just, and it, and it really spawned like that. I think through middle school, high school, because I used to get in trouble a few different times and it just spawned to me. I didn't like that, but then I have to, you have to remind yourself. And, and I remember someone who I worked with on a project like a while ago, earlier this year, actually, um, kind of said the same situation that, you know, they're creative, but they don't like to be told what to do. And I get it. You want to be your own boss. You want to take your own, take your own leaps for certain things. But I kind of had to correct him a, a little bit and just say, Hey, it's, it's not, I get it. I understand. But the thing is, is that there, there's always some direction. There's always some type of advice and feedback that you should have from other people sometimes when you're creating these different things and when you're working in different environments. And basically I was just like, yeah, you can't, you can't be like that. You have to learn, you have to learn how to work and collaborate like that because it just helps you with your interactions and your, and your social skills, I think personally. Um, but yeah, back to I, Hilton, specifically my cousin. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he'd be talking to me like that and I'd be like, man, I, I just want to whoop your ass, but I know it's all in good but, love <laughs> and all in good. You know, good yeah. But you know, brother, you know, to, to, to also add more to what it was that we were talking about too, when it comes to, you know, feeling uh, that sensitivity aspect to it. We talked, about this briefly on the the other podcast that we did um mm. or the first app the first time we uh ran it um but it also deals with a lot of insecurity us Absolutely. as artists yeah. us us as artists and as human beings we all have something we're insecure about i do that's a part of being human and when i make my work when i and you put so much of yourself flawed as an individual as we are put mm-hmm. so much of yourself into your work, it becomes an extension of you. Um, you are insecure by nature because what if this part doesn't hold up or was it, what if this person doesn't see it this way? You're waiting for people to sort of look at you and to look at your work and say, hey, you did a good job. Hey, you're valuable or give you some kind of recognition. That's what we want. Absolutely. That's yeah. we 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 want that recognition because then it makes you feel like you're good enough. Then it makes you feel like I've done something that a lot of people like and is 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 are and they're connecting with. And in a way, if they're acknowledging the product that you did, they're acknowledging you. So it has a lot to do with insecurity as well when it comes to sensitivity, yeah. when it comes to you know, being a perfectionist in many ways to my detriment, I've been obsessed over certain projects to an extent that you should not be obsessed with. Like if you edit a scene and I'm not exaggerating, I, you can, you can talk to Trevor about this. You can talk to Jose about this. <laughs> if, if you, if I edit a sequence of a scene over and, and, over a hundred different edits of the exact same scene and go through all a hundred edits over and over again, just trying to find out out of all the people that I know right now in my circle, who, what would the majority think of and say is the better scene? I think you kind of, you know, have a a screw or two loose in your head. Like literally (laughs) for me being a perfectionist, it all stems from being me being insecure and not trusting my instincts and not trusting what it is that I want to communicate communicate to the world. And I think you do have to have a thick skin, like you like you were saying. You have, have to. Be, you have, have to. to have it in this industry, but also you don't want to be 
you don't want this. You don't want to be stagnant in your perfection, uh, being a perfectionist, because that is only going to stop progress. You know what I mean? At the well, end of the day, yeah. <clears throat> at the end of the day, when you make something, you put your your time and your effort and everything into it. Mm-hmm. You put it out there in the world. How it's uh, uh, perceived is how it's perceived. But at the end of the day, you want to know that you gave everything to it, that you did everything you could to make it the best product that you're uh, uh, pleased with and that you're happy with. If you can do that and walk away from it, doesn't matter how other people see it. If you can do that, then you've succeeded in my book. Absolutely. You, know, you have to you yeah. have to feel it. Yeah. And and it's funny that you say the stagnant because like perfectionists, I seen a post one time on Twitter and I wish I could have saved it because I, it always sticks in my mind sometimes. And, and also why I try not to be a perfectionist uh, is uh, procrastination is a big is a big yeah. thing of perfectionism. And I really believe that because when you are a perfectionist, you just you you don't really finish anything. You don't really uh, sometimes, you know, like I feel like for most perfectionists, they don't really they don't finish anything. And then another another um, quote or something that I seen from. Uh, 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 an acquaintance of mine. Um, I remember she said something about how perfectionist, like, you know, just try, like being a perfectionist isn't good because then you try to, you, you become, you try to, you try to see that in so many other things besides your just projects. You try to look for that in the people that you align yourself with. You want them to be perfect for you. You want them to be exactly what you want them to be. And like, I think about myself in general, I think about like relationships in general, <laughs> Like I, I feel like, I feel like that's something I'm kind of looking for too. And then I realized, oh, that's the issue. So I had to think about, well, where the hell is this perfectionism? Where's the core of this perfectionist problem that's happening right now? Like there's not a project that I'm like doing at the moment where I'm like, okay, I want this to be fucking perfect because I realize it's not going to be perfect. You know what I mean? It's not going to be perfect. Like we spoke about, uh, we spoke about my short film, Black Rose Wanders, which <clears throat> was such a great conversation because I'm I'm getting used to people giving me any all any and all types of feedback on my products. I want that. I want the feedback. Specifically with Black Rose Wanders, I I sent the film out to lots of different people to get different types of feedback because I want that. I I want I want to see a different kind of level of of stair stepping in my career. I see where it's at and I'm and I'm happy for it. You know, but even then, right? I didn't like because the film had because of the how the film was uh done at the time and, and, and just the situation I was in of trying to film the entire movie before I moved to California, I knew it wasn't going to be perfect. I knew I was rushing. I knew that there was going to be some mistakes, especially because I was the only person that worked on the entire movie besides my amazing composer, Daryl John Hannon. Shout out to Daryl. But did a great job. Did a great job. Great job. Um Besides that, I knew it wasn't going to be I knew it wasn't going to be perfect, you know, and I know that my next film, which I believe is a much better film than any of the movies that I've made stories I've created. uh, The next two films are much better than anything I've created. And uh, those movies might not be perfect either. Not might not be. They won't be perfect. But but nothing. The the thing is, is nothing's perfect because you want to know why the air is human. I mean, we're not machines. We're we're, we're not robots. We're not we're, we're we're flawed individuals. And. 
uh, with different perspectives, different ideologies, different beliefs and everything like that. And you put into something, you may be good at one thing and may not be the best at another. But if mm-hmm. you're doing and you're, mi- you're micromanaging and managing sort of all these different positions, which we have to do as, you know, independent filmmakers right now, currently in our, you know, where we're at in our careers, mm-hmm. you know, there are going to be some parts that you may not be the best in, but, you know, who's to say five six, seven years down the line, you know, you don't improve on it. And and plus also one thing that I've learned, especially, you know, go back, going back to full cell and everything like that. And yeah. like I was talking about networking and everything like that. I had this very calloused attitude, you know, after my experience with DCI, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead, um, do my own thing and work on these spec projects, work on these, these projects and try to figure out, you know, a way on, on how to do it. In, in mm-hmm. hindsight, I think that was good because it allowed me to learn sound design. It allowed me to get more into my post-production work, my pre-production work, my camera work, and everything like that, because I was doing a lot of stuff. I was doing a lot of stuff and making projects with, you know, a, a big, you know, big projects in my mind with little mm-hmm. to no money and trying to make it come to fruition. It was very difficult. Um, but one thing that I now see uh, as a filmmaker, especially working on Menagerie Affair, is that you want to surround yourself. If you're a director, if you're a writer, if you're a producer, cinematographer, production designer, it doesn't matter. You want to surround yourself with people who are on top of their craft. People know what they're doing, who are on their game and who are bringing it every single day, because in many ways, you're going to level up with them. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not, you know, you, it, mm-hmm. it becomes this, this, this competitive nature and it's, it's all right to be com- competitive. I'm very competitive. Um, just don't let it, you know, uh, consume you. Uh, I'll just say that, but you know, it's <laughs> yeah. good to have that, that it's good to have that competitiveness to you because when you're working with these people who are just so much better than you in all these different aspects, you become a sponge and you soak up all that information, you know? I did these pro- I did this project, you know, back in 2015. I did the boom, I did the sound, I did I did everything just like you, you know, talking to talking about your film. You've mm-hmm. done all that kind of stuff. Yes. It's not perfect. Why? Because you were the one that was wearing all the hats. But taking that experience, right? Learning all those different aspects and growing it and seeing the stuff that you can improve on doesn't necessarily mean the next project you do you're going to wear all those hats again. You surround yourself with people who are extraordinary in what they do, and you have a dialogue with them. Why? Because you have the experience of doing that. It may not be the best experience. You may not be you know, able to do the work that they're able to do, but you have that dialogue. And I think in many mm-hmm. ways, when you do go to film school, a lot of people, at least I did, I took this idea of, oh, I'll just do it by myself. I think that's the wrong approach. Um, to anybody who's who's listening to this podcast right now, it's not just you. It just like just like it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to make a movie, uh, to make it in this industry. You know, no one who's accepting a Grammy right now or who's at the Oscars ex- ex- accepting an Academy Award did it all by themselves. No, it's the people you come into contact with. It's the it's the people that's on your journey. Uh, that's on a journey with you and the people that you've worked on countless projects that sort of gets you to that position. Yes. You have to have the wherewithal. You have to have the determination. You have to have the passion to drive all that kind of stuff. Those are great qualities to have. You have to have those things, but you have to also be willing to uh, open up your world a little bit more. I was always so 
Um, I'm an introvert by nature. Uh, I'll just let that know to a lot of the the people who are watching. I'm an introvert. The people could probably tell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so it took me a while to kind of open up, but the minute that I did and started to work with all these other people that are extremely talented, that's when I begin to see the quality of my work shoot up. That's when I begin to see opportunities and doors open up. You know what I mean? So it's the people you let into your world. That's that's the that that's the real goal. And I think that's the where a lot of the benefit can be had. One thousand percent. You're absolutely correct on on all of that. I mean, you know, um, I think for myself, right, when I think about just how I grew up, I, I used to always say I was an introvert. And then I kind of realized, well, am I really an introvert? Like, what is a real a real introvert? And then I kind of said what my what my hero and idol, Kendrick Lamar, had said that he he said antisocial extrovert. Um, and I'm like, I think that's what I am because. But then I also still think I'm introverted in some ways, too, um, because literally, right, how my life is kind of set up now is work is like the only thing that I'm like outside of the door with. Now there's other things, you know, I just got back a gym membership, which actually was great. I'm about to start getting back because I had stopped working That's out. That's dope, heavily. man. That's dope. But yeah, I got, yeah. got back in the gym because, man, that was like a huge part of my life, too. Just, you know, playing football and stuff, just still working out consistently. Even when I graduated, always in the gym with my friend Nick Spears. Shout out Nick Spears if you happen to listen or watch this. Um, but always working out. And uh, now I'm back out with that. And then I love to hike. So I haven't hiked in a little while recently, but like hiking is great because it's California. It's beautiful out here. So it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of opportunities for that. Um, but other than that though, when it comes to just me interacting with folks, the only way I'm going to meet a lot of new people is going to be at work or <laughs> it's going to be on these dating sites. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm gonna keep it honest, you know, or door dashing. Sometimes when I, I drive for door dash as well, for the people who might not know, uh i do that sometimes whenever i'm not working on film stuff um but basically i might meet somebody randomly through that too you know i I definitely have met a few not a whole lot but a few people through that method as well you know but i don't know i still feel introverted now that i live in my own home my own space by myself which is like a rarity in california or in the bay area at least um it is um I feel more introverted (laughs) because I like to be home inside. I like to just be in my space. You know, I've been mainly because I've been designing my space, how I want it to be. I'm trying to create a nice creative look, like how it all looks here on my side for all the people that are watching the excellent podcast on YouTube. It could look very different very soon. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any plans to change up anything right away, but you know, uh, for the people who have watched episode one or two or whatever, it was very different. I was living in a different space. Now I live by myself with the Jaws poster up. So it's very different um, just in terms of the growth of that. But I say all of this random stuff for me to say, uh, yeah, it is great to let people in your life and, and build build the right relationships. And I will say Full Sail was, a, was it did that in long ways because all the people at Full Sail who I still talk to frequently. Um, the person I probably speak to the most from full sale will probably be Dari. Dari is one of my first people that I like met when I first started out. And then, you know, he kind of took a few months off and it was a few, a few months behind us as far as graduation. Um, but that's my homie. That's my guy. He was on the first episode of the podcast. Amazing person. 
uh trevor i feel like it's always a special it's always special to talk to trevor because trevor just i like having a conversation with him trevor's one of those people who i felt like was very awkward in college <laughs> and very yeah. just introverted himself but whenever we have a conversation there's so much relation that we have and in 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 different things and i feel like trevor is also one of them type of people to challenge a person uh in a in a good way in a positive way and that's what makes me really appreciate that brother completely um ty i have i it's been so long since i've spoken to ty i haven't seen him post much on Wait, facebook does he, does he does he even still know english i mean <laughs> I, I don't even i'm just trying to i mean no I, listen i don't know I mean, it's been yeah, years. he still knows it. I, of okay. course. And that, that was a bad joke, everybody. Okay. That was a bad joke. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's hilarious. Uh, of course. Look, if he if he lost his ability to speak English, I don't know what the fuck he got going on. But look, yeah. Ty, I haven't spoken to Ty. In a, it's been a while. The last time I spoke to Ty, I want to say, was sometime last year. Uh, I actually spoke to Deshaun, Trevor, and Ty all at once one time on like a Facebook video. That was the last time. And, you know, speaking to Ty, I remember one time I spoke to Ty. It was like on a, on a music video shoot I was doing when I was living back in Indiana, random shoot. And I forget, we were waiting. I was waiting for something for the shoot, but me and Ty had a conversation for like an hour or something before the shoot started. And it, it just felt so good because he just kind of talked to me out of nowhere, you know? And then he's kind of talked to me recently about working all these different films like matrix and all this kind of stuff. So he's been, he, you know, he had convert, he had con wanted to have conversations about that. And it was just so good to have a, able, have a chance to talk to him, you know, because he lives in a completely different space for, we call his name originally is Fandon. I think Fandon. Yes. It's Fandon. Yes. Fandon. Make sure you yeah. pronounce it correctly. It's Fandon. <laughs> Fandon. And, uh, we called him Thai for Thailand. He's from Thailand, native from Thailand, went to America to go to full sale. And, uh, you know, uh, basically, yeah, Thai just lives in a whole different world. You know, like he he, you know, his family had like a production company out there. He got money and, you know, like Thai has a whole different space that he's in, you know. So shout out to Thai as well. And then Deshaun. Deshaun. I don't know how to explain Deshaun. Wait, Deshaun. Is, wait, wait. Is Deshaun still in America? I just want to know. Is he still in America? Is he still in the United States? Or is he like, did he leave the country already? I'm, pr I'm pretty sure he's still in America. He's He's got to be okay. in America still. I mean, Deshaun, Deshaun has, is one person who I can't wait to get on the podcast as well. Uh, but Deshaun has been one of those two people where he's kind of gone through a lot. I feel like after college. And um, he's someone who still seems to keep it kicking and still seems to, 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 to hold on to what he loves, which is the film. Because, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of people that we know from our class specifically, man, don't do film. They, they never did anything with film. Or they did some stuff with film, but they did it in a way to where they're not as fucking psychotic as we may be. <laughs> because, because think of it like this, right? What I what I what I'm a victim of, I think maybe not a victim. Let me not say that. But what I am, what I put myself in, is that the film industry, my career is like one of the only things I care about. That's like number one, and then family, my immediate family, is also a number one. But sometimes I have to place my career over that sometimes to give what I want to give <clears throat> to them. You know, like I tell my mom, mom, I want to buy you a house one day. Mom, I want to take you on vacation one day. Mom, I want to do this. Dad, I want to take you on vacation. Dad, I want to buy you a car, whatever. Brother, same stuff. 
And it's just like to do that, I have to detach myself. That's what I feel like. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but sometimes I have to detach myself. And my immediate family is what matters to me the most. Family in general, I'm sorry to the family that may be listening. I still love all of you. Um, but family is not necessarily an important thing to me, if I'm just being completely honest. It just isn't. You know, my connections with, with some family is not there, really. And, and it's probably based on both sides, but specifically maybe how I look at it from people not trying to outwardly connect. But of course, seeing all of these different things that I do now and these different projects that I'm a part of and people that they, celebrities they might see me with or whatever, or see me working with, you know, then that's when people want to kind of leech on to you to, 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 to have a conversation or whatever. But I become, I, I become somewhat of a, a hermit because of that. The reason I'm introverted, antisocial, you know, extrovert, whatever the extrovert punk comes from just me being a director and me having a passionate about the things that I talk about, but and antisocial in the spots that I just don't, I'm trying to sit inside my, my space and work on what I want to work on, live how I want to live, be by myself. So I'm not bogged down by whatever. And that's kind of it. That's kind of how, how I operate. But now you got to think there's people that we graduated with who are, who are much older than we were, who have families. So they can't necessarily afford to do that because they have children, they have wives, they have baby mamas, <laughs> they got whatever, baby daddies, whatever. They can't necessarily afford to do that all the time because it can hurt their family. And, you know, knock on wood, I'm glad I don't have no children. <laughs> so it's just like it, it places places people in different perspectives. But a lot of people that we know have not gotten a chance to make any sort of moves or rise in this industry. And it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, Full sales is a very expensive place. You know, luckily, I got a scholarship, so it cut my stuff in half. But still, is, even then, it's still expensive. And I need to pay it. <laughs> but a lot of people got kind of cut with that because they. some people might think to themselves, wow, I just spent all that money, $80,000, and I don't have anything to my name in this industry. I haven't done anything. I haven't stepped my foot in anything in this industry. And I, and I feel bad for those people sometimes. And, you know, hopefully all of them I mean are doing well but all, hopefully they're doing well but i i have to i have to acknowledge this i you know i i don't want to lose this train of thought for what you're saying right now there is a mental health crisis going on i i i, I especially i can only speak about our industry I, I think in the broader sense it's going on in the world and we're seeing that play out a lot especially in people our age and our generation um, but there is a mental health crisis that's going on. And I think in many ways, when we talk about that sensitivity, when we talk about rejection in this industry, you are rejected almost every single day. All right. I can't tell you how many projects I've made, how many opportunities I've had or, 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 or this, that, and the other, and how many rejections I've had. If, like I've had 99 no's. I'm willing to even say I had a hundred no's and had that hundred that that one yes uh, that that made it a hundred and one. Like you get rejected almost single day, and not everybody's built out for it. Like you're doing all this work, you're putting yourself into trying to level up and everything like that. And no matter it feels like, no matter how much you continue to progress, that rejection is still there. So right. it is very it is very difficult. And unfortunately, when it comes to film school, when it when it comes to because you know. Full cell is a trade school, basically what, what, you know, what we're saying. It's a trade school. And when you're spending $80,000, $70,000, $90,000, 100K, all right, 
for some people, 100K. And you're going through all this rejection. You have to pay out, the, pay back this debt. You're handling life responsibilities. You know, then you're, you're, you're you know, you, you become lonely. You become isolated. You become all these kinds of things. It eats away at a person. And then, and, and sometimes you can have mental health issues, which are um, a big thing. I mean, if you get injured, like I broke my arm when I was younger. I've had stitches, man. I got scars all over my body. Yeah. You can go ahead and make it heal. You can go to the doctor. They'll put stitches on, you know, make it heal, you know, four to six weeks. But when you're mentally, when you have mental health issues, you don't just slap a bandaid on it. That's something that sort of yeah. just eat away at you. And I think with the tons of rejection that comes with the industry, that school loan that you have to pay back and living in a pandemic and handling life issues and all this kind of stuff, it can eat away at a person. You know, I think film school is important, but I also think it's what you make of it. I don't think to, to be the next Steven Spielberg, to be the next Christopher Nolan or to be the next uh, Stefan Whitaker or the next Andrew Domville. I don't think, you need to go to film school to in order to achieve that. Warner Brothers isn't looking to hire a person with a BA or a bachelor's. I mean, if you want to really yeah. specialize in corporate, then do corporate. They look at that kind of stuff. That's a good thing to have. But if you're trying to, you know, make movies in Hollywood with the studio in the studio system or even in your own production company, you don't need a bachelor's in a science and film to go ahead and do that. You know, you don't, I, I, I've worked with so many entrepreneurs, so many successful people. These, these few uh, uh, athletes I'm working with right now, they have McLarens, they have Lamborghinis, they have Ferraris, they have all these kinds of things you know what I'm driving? Well, don't worry about what I'm driving, but you know, it, it, it's not no Ferrari. Okay. It's not no, it's not no Lamborghini. Okay. Uh, so, so honestly, at the end of the day, at, honestly, funny. at the end of the day, there are all these, there are all these kinds of things that are going on. And when we talk about the people that we graduated with that, yeah. that aren't doing it anymore, I don't blame them. I don't like, mm. there's no shot to them. This industry to, to mm. really make it in this industry, you have to be another animal. You have to be able to take that rejection. You have to be able to, 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 to really be able to sacrifice all these kinds of things, whether it comes to relationships and all this kind of stuff, to really, really make it in the industry. How many people, um, like I just recently watched Barry Jenkins, The Underground Railroad, which is on Amazon Prime, one of the best series I've seen all year. I'm going to be tweeting about it this week. I can't stop thinking about it. So impactful. Very difficult for me to even get past the first episode. Didn't think I would be able to oh, finish all of it. I have seen that. I've, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 It's very powerful. But, I mean, when I listen to some interviews by him and other people that are in the industry and stuff like that, they didn't have families and still don't even have families and, until they actually got in their 30s or 40s when they're actually doing what it is that they've been dedicating so much time and effort to towards. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. difficult to manage that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult to manage that. So you have to place your priorities in order. Like, is being is directing the studio film or doing this more important to you that you're willing to undergo certain things that you can't have right now in the moment? Um, are you willing to do that for this? If you're not, then you should probably think about doing something else because it may call for you to actually do that. And not a lot of people are willing to do that. And that's that's not right. It's not a right thing or a wrong thing. It's you know, to each his own, but 
there are a lot of issues that are associated with that. And I just I, I had to chime in when you're talking about full sale, especially when paying back school loan. Anybody who's thinking about going to full sale or going to a film school in general to do this, let me be clear. You do not need a degree to do this. It helps. It gives it, you build your network. You 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 build relationships. It teaches mm-hmm. you it teaches you a lot of the stuff theoretically about filmmaking. But we're living in a digital renaissance where you can go to YouTube University, where you can go to all these sites online and get just as just as much information um, that's accessible online. You can get you know, instead of going to film school. So there are a lot of avenues right now. I just want to make that clear because I, I do mm-hmm. see a lot of people, including myself, who struggled with mental health issues as a result of doing this endeavor. And it should be acknowledged. It should be acknowledged. It's not a weakness. All right. We're all human beings. It should be acknowledged. 1000%. And, and I, I love where the conversation is going because it goes into so much uh, I think I think this is very important. Yes, I want to I want to talk about more with the mental health aspect in these industries and where where the industry is going, you know, because um, <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of issues in the industry right now that is happening that will that we're going to get to. But I do want to speak speak uh, more on just the mental health aspect of it. I mean, I agree. I agree. And uh Sometimes we sometimes we add I will be I will say that sometimes we add a lot of this a lot of the stress to our mental health uh, ourselves a lot of times, too. You know, I specifically have done that for myself. A huge part of my career is just putting the stress on myself, you know, uh, especially when it comes to like, you know, maybe personal relationships, um, how I feel about, you know, maybe some people supporting me or how, you know, people's opinions of me sometimes that'll get to me but you know i i had to learn to kind of cut it all away and cut it all out because you know i had i have to remember what like i said what's really important what's really really important for me and sometimes when i see people complain about certain things you know of course you never know what what is affecting a person you know what they're dealing with but like i i always just have to just remind people too is just like you have to know what's really important to you. One great example, I always use this example of myself personally. I am an Alabama football uh, fan. I love the Crimson Tide, roll tide, roll. Okay, damn it, I I'm, I'm love Alabama. All right. Um, I remember watching them play college football. They, I would always get so damn upset and mad when they would lose to a team back when they used to lose. Now, now we're just kicking every team's ass, but (laughs) they have an opportunity to lose still, you know, but I would always get upset about that. I'd be so mad. I remember one time LSU beat Alabama. It was a big game too. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, I'm about to get roasted by everybody in high school because everybody knew I was an Alabama fan. If there's one thing that people knew about me in high school was I, I loved Godzilla. I'm an Alabama fan. And, uh, yeah, I think those are the only two. Oh, and Lee's Chicken. That Lee's was my was the best place ever. <laughs> Everybody at Angola High School who may be listening to this or Indiana, who I know, knows that specific fact. But um, I loved Alabama, so I was like, damn, I'm about to get roasted. Then I'm, me and my brother Roosevelt, shout out to my, my big bro. Uh, we would always – we would we, he would argue. I remember one time we just argued. I remember I got so mad at something he said after that game that I, like, threw a pillow at his face. And then he, like – threw a pillow at me really hard and slapped me or something crazy. I was younger. I just, I was so upset. 
But then I had to remind myself, it's, this is such an extreme example, but I had to remind myself, you know what? Alabama lost, but at least I'm not dead. That's how I looked at it, <laughs> which is an extreme example. Yeah, that's but extreme, man. That, yeah. Extreme, extreme. But like, I was so passionate about Alabama. So passionate. And think about it. That passion would completely stop if I was dead, if I was lifeless. That passion is no longer there. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not there for me to speak it. And uh, I had to remind myself that, which is just such an extreme example. But I, 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 I use that for example sometimes today. Is that that's the whole reason I made my album No Sweat Pimp. You know, um, I made that album because that had the, the title in itself, which came from Dari. Shout out to Dari again. That title is that. It's all like, it's no sweat. Like the things that we may worry about, we have to remember what is really important to us. Why family is maybe not the most important thing to me. My immediate family is very, very important to me because without them, none of this stuff could be possible. Without my mom and dad, none of my, I wouldn't be alive, right? <laughs> that example. Like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here to be like this. And because of their lifestyles and because of their history and because of their characteristics and because of their genes, whatever, I could not be who I am today. You know, so I, 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 that is important to me. My family's health, my family's look at life is important to me, you know? Um, but when it comes to like little things, like little issues in the industry, certain things in career wise, you know, I haven't like knock on wood again. I hope that nothing that I, I hope there's nothing that I face that comes to that point to where it just like, you know, would, would eliminate my career or blacklist me or whatever. Like I have enough common sense and knowledge to know what is right and what is wrong. So my thing is, is just like the little issues that might come on set with somebody. Eh, that's not really all that important. Eh, this person ain't did, did this or, you know, it's not that important. That doesn't affect me mentally. What affect, what can affect my mental health sometimes? What it has affected my mental health has just been relationships, you know, and finding the right person for you, letting people in sometimes is where those mental health issues come around because you can feed off people's energy, you know, a lot. And, you know, uh, me personally, I'm big on that. I'm big on, on letting the right, trying to let the right people around me. Cause I have a lot of energy myself. So letting someone with very low vibrations around me, that can, that can destroy everything that I've created. You know, if, if it really affects me like that and, and I've become so armor plated in the mindset like that to where I feel like that's not as easy anymore, you know, sometimes, but sometimes you get a point where you fall in love and you know, you, you, it hurts you sometimes as much, as much as it may heal you in ways, you're also forming a new wound or forming a softer, a softer skin to let that to, like I said, to open up the heart and not purposefully, but sometimes you're going to catch a straight arrow and it hurts. <laughs> but I say all this to say, man, like mental health is so important. I wish I could tell people what, what is best for their mindset because my mindset is very specific. And, you know, I, I have a project in the works to kind of help people understand my mindset and the ways that it's helped me creatively to also help them creatively in whatever field it may be. But I wish I could say what could help <clears throat> a person in their mental health. But my only real advice I could give right now to people is just, you have to, you have to really understand what's important to you. Sometimes you might have to take a bunch of falls to really understand that. You know, I had to take a bunch of falls to realize what was really a necessity for my well-being mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. I had to know what that was, you know, um, 
there's so many people like everybody I mentored, for instance. Um, I always talk about the people I mentored because that was a very specific part of my life because I myself after high school or excuse me, after college is when I mentored these folks. I never thought that I had the capacity to mentor anybody, even though I realized <clears throat> I realized after that, that directing, uh, which I said before, is about teaching, coaching, mentoring, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's all within that. And that's kind of how I like to direct is I like to really, you know, I like to really get myself close with people and, and really explain a situation that however type of ways, but, you know, I realized that a lot of those people I mentored was really going through a lot of mental health problems, you know, uh, like every single one of them in different ways. One person I mentored didn't really show it as much, but kind of did. Um, if you, if you don't mind, I, I kind of want to break off into, into some, uh, into like two, two specific instances of the, of the mental health situation. I feel like with, with the people I mentored and then you can comment on it. But um, basically I just remember one girl that I mentored who, who I mentored her and uh, I, she was someone who I'd met prior before. And I just remember just seeing, hearing the way she was talking, seeing the way that she was like going about representing herself. I could just tell that she wasn't, she, she wasn't, in the right mindset. And I remember at this particular place that I was in where she was at, uh, I just, I, I would kind of killed the vibe because it was like a party or something <laughs> like a little small get together. I killed the vibe. and was just trying to like, trying to almost be like a father figure. Like, Hey, you need to stop doing this, but not in such a judgmental way, but more of just like a advice, you know, a pre mentor type of situation. And it eventually stuck with her because she came back a year later or so and said, Hey, I want you to be, to help me out with this and that as far as being an actress and a model. I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. And uh, long story less long, that mentorship ended because she just, she had a lot of stuff in her past that had to force her to like, you know, kind of give up what she was doing. And instead of like really trying to fight, fight it how she could and try to get back to it, she gave into it and basically never became a model or an actress as she wanted to be. And Sorry to say, but I kind of knew that that would probably I knew that would happen. I, I just didn't see I didn't see a, a care of it because she had already she's already been affected a lot. And, you know, she's at the time, she probably wasn't working well enough to, to help herself, especially with even with the advice that I gave. Probably didn't. Another situation was more of a person who who they were wanted to be an actor. I had all these classes made for him to of like learning about Meisner act Meisner acting and method acting just a whole bunch of his stuff. Cause this is someone who I, me personally, I didn't know who really knew much about what it's like to be an actor. So I tried to give him the full breakdown as much as I, as best as I could. And basically I, uh, he, he wanted, he just wanted, he wanted the gold. He, he instantly wanted to be at the top of the top. So he had went out to an audition for the show empire, which was shot in Chicago and went to Chicago for the audition as I don't know if it was for a background actor or something like that, whatever it may have been, went for an audition of some sort, didn't get it. And then his wife specifically told him, you're wasting your time. You should not be doing this. You didn't make the audit. You didn't pass the audition. You need to give it up. And the reason why I said it's a mental health problem is that there's some mental health issues that could have formed from that. Because imagine, imagine someone you love telling you, that you need to stop doing this. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at what level that you're at. 
I can only imagine if someone told me, have the audacity to told to tell me that Stefan, all the shit that you've done, it doesn't matter. You need to stop doing this. You should probably take a different direction. Now, I know that there's nobody in this fucking life that would ever dare tell me this because I would slap the hell out of them. <laughs> like, but imagine how that would make you feel. Now, I'm already in the armor-plated mindset, but imagine if you're in your softest and also most vulnerable state and someone tells you that, someone that you love, your wife tells you that. Imagine what that does to you after that. It's, it, like that kicking, can you, it, it's kicking you when you're down. Completely. You're and it's... Yeah. And, and it's just, and that hurts. And from that, he never continued. Um, he, he tried, you know, all these people have tried to approach me besides one, all these people have tried to approach me before of how to get into it again. And, uh, you know, one the most recent person that has done that I can tell has been going through a lot of mental health problems and has actually spoke about her mental health problems, um, pretty openly and publicly. But, uh, it's, it's just like, you have to learn how to take care of yourself. I, what I told that person who had to give up her her desires for it is i told her i said you really need to like you have to kind of you have to really assess yourself before you try to become in these type of industries especially if you're trying to take it to a level that like how me and you try to take it which is you know not psychotic all the time but like you know we, we want to be the best that we can be which comes with so much you know pressure like you have to learn how to address the elephant in the room with your of yourself you know what I mean? You have to learn to address the elephant in the room of yourself before you can take that step. And a lot of people have troubles doing that. You, know? you have to you have to you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And once you acknowledge the elephant in the room, then you have to believe that there is an elephant in the room. And then that yeah. belief is going to spark the action. I think at the end of the day, you need to yep. seek help. We all I, I, I think in some capacity. You need to seek help because this thing that a lot of us deal with, especially in this industry, rejection is always going to be there. Uh, criticism is always going to be there. It's how you handle it, you know, mm -hmm. and some of us don't handle it the best way. Re look at some musicians in the past uh, or, or, or even, you know, uh, people in our industry. I mean, you hear about so many actors, so many celebrities or people who have achieved that high level of success dying of overdose. Yeah. dying of dying of suicide because mm -hmm. even when you work so hard and i want to make this clear for me my career in achieving this thing means so much to me as it does to you i'm sure it means a lot to me but i'm not naive i understand that doing this comes with the price and the price is heavy it's a high Very. it's a high price it is a high price, but you have to be understanding that even when you when you do get to that level that you want to get to, when you are on top of the mountain or when you, you know, you've achieved this level of success that you've been working and dedicating so much time, hours, days, weeks, months, years of your life into this thing. When you do achieve it, okay. Yeah. You give yourself a pat on the back, but all that stuff, all that mental health issues, all the rejection, all that stuff doesn't go away overnight. And that's why you see a lot of people who, who have achieved a high level of success right now, struggling with mental health issues, dying of, of ODs and, and, and are suicide or all these kinds of things because they're finding other ways to cope. My thing is, is you said it, you said it great. 
acknowledge the elephant in the room, believe that there is an elephant in the room because all beliefs, when you believe in something, all that does is spark the action. That will spark the action for you to actually go seek help because then you start getting into other avenues like drinking or drugs yeah. or, 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 or other things or, or things that can sort of consume you and take away from, from what it is that you want to do. I think yeah. you have to acknowledge it and seek professional help for it. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. That's that's yeah. the best thing you can do. Yeah, because I mean, you know, everybody has different ways of coping. And I've I've never agreed with like people who cope, you know, uh with drinking or like smoking weed is very legal in every place, you know. And I advocate for, you know, for uh for the legalness. I, I, of- except except in Cali, man. Except, except, well, except, no, California is not, legal. It's, it's legal forever. It, yeah, it's legal. It's legal. Yeah. It's not illegal. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I, I, I want, I, I'm an advocate for it being legal every and everywhere. Oh, oh, legal yeah. everywhere. Okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. The only thing I would say about that, though, and most people know this because, like, I've had, I, I, I would say there's been times where I'm a casual person in that realm, but, I don't do that as much because I always like to be in my own head without any type of substance because I just feel like why the why I don't need that. That's not my enjoyment all the time. Um, but I don't I, I'm always I don't say it's right to cope even with just like when a problem happens and, and rises, people instantly go to smoking weed. And it might be a, it might be a controversial topic for some people because some people will disagree with that and some people will agree, will agree. But it's just more of the single fact of like that's not always the best way to deal with it because all you really do is put a, a, you put a fog up over it and then eventually that fog goes away and there it is again, there's your issue right in front of you once again. So the more you keep doing that, the more you keep doing the smoking it's like, or whatever drinking, it doesn't really deal with your issue. So you have to deal with it. In my opinion, not saying it's, it's right or wrong, but like you have to deal with it through therapy. Therapy helped me a lot. I am in therapy. This podcast that everyone is listening to right now, uh, they will know from the introduction, because in my introduction, I talk about how therapy was huge for me and how I wanted to launch this this podcast right after therapy. And the thing is, is therapy was a huge help. I had I I thought therapy was something I've always needed, but it it really became a real uh, I think my my breakup, my my recent breakup was like the catalyst for me going into therapy. And that was a huge thing for me. It helped. It helped uh, deal with that in ways, you know, because I just kept ca- ca- talking about the conversation talk or talking about the topic of that breakup a lot. And it helped a lot, you know, so shout out to my therapist. Uh, but anyway, but like, yeah, there's so many different ways to deal with it. And I think we're, what we're seeing now in the industry is interesting because, you know, there's a strike that's happening, um, a strike that's bound to happen. I, I, when this podcast airs, the strike may be in effect or it may be out of effect. I have no clue, but I do want to talk about the strike briefly. So for the people who don't know, there are unions in the film industry. Um, And one of the most one of the bigger unions in the industry for like camera and uh, G&E and all the working crew on a lot of these big, uh, big union jobs like, you know, movies and television shows, editors, all that is the IATSE, which uh, which I forget the exact like whole uh, thing of their um of their uh what the hell do you call it of their not euphemism but whatever they they have a the, the IOTC spells out a whole list of shit but anyway 
It's an acronym. Use, it's an acronym. It's an acronym. That's the word. It's I don't know the whole acronym by you know by hand, but the IOTC is a very huge union, and they work on all these big union jobs, and they are striking because Hollywood or quote unquote the Alliance of Motion Pictures of Television uh, and all that kind of stuff, they are not giving people the right living wages. They're not meeting the proper uh, times for for meals and not times, you know, they're not meeting the times for the proper breaks during holidays or weekends, not good turnaround times, just a lot of safety regulations and issues there. Um, And basically the workers want to strike because, yo, this is not like this is causing issues for people physically and mentally, if you think about it, too. Because it's like, yo, we don't have enough time. Like we're working like slaves to to make these movies. And it's specifically based on these streaming sites. You know, I love Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all these different kinds of streaming sites. But the heads of these companies are at fault because they because they 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 want to continuously push out, you know, seasons for their different products and their different shows. But they are really it's it's really at the cost of all the workers. Um, and I honestly wants to strike. Now, the thing is about it is when it comes to the base in the Bay Area, and I'm interested to kind of hear how this may affect you, you that you might think um, the Bay Area is not always a lot of union jobs. It's a lot of non it's a lot more non-union stuff. But the, it's the solidarity that people is wondering. They want people to all strike. They want not just the IOTC union workers. They want every single you like people who work in this industry to be in solidarity with them to strike. Now, where this poses a problem where this poses a problem um, where I want to talk about the positive and the negative, but where this poses a problem is that people still have to eat out here. People still have families to feed. People still got bills to pay. That could cause an issue because if everyone decides to strike, where your money coming from? If you not, if you don't have multiple streams of income, which eventually is something I want to talk more about on my podcast, but if you don't have multiple streams of income, you're kind of in trouble. Uh, because, you know, for me, myself, I DoorDash sometimes, right? DoorDash is a is an online app based, you know, a gig, gig, you know, type of app where you can make money from. And, you know, DoorDash is also born and raised in the Bay Area. It is one of those tech companies that was based in the Bay. But, you know, you can make a lot of money from DoorDash, but I don't. I don't, that puts a wear and tear on your car. So I don't do it all the time. I only do it on quote unquote days off whenever I'm not working on set um, and I'll do it. But then I also know when to not do it because, you know, I don't want to put my car at risk all the time. Plus it's just like, eh, I, you know, I only do it so much where I make a certain amount of money from it. You know? So my thing is, is, you know, I, uh, when it comes to stocks, I, I have to get more into stocks and crypto. Uh, I'm in stocks. I'm in stock. Yeah. So, so you're lucky, you know, but some of that stuff, it definitely does help, but a lot of it is, is a, it's a trial and error type of situation. You know, you could end up losing lots of money on stocks or end up not getting as much money on stocks because you didn't sell this stock at a certain price and stuff like that. Well, I, it also, it also depends on if you're trying to day trade or if you're trying to do it long-term too. I mean, if you're day trading, then, you know, it, there's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of stuff to do because you're looking at every <laughs> difference every single day. But exactly. if you're looking at doing, you're looking at doing the S&P uh, 500 or the Dow's or something like that. That's like a long time over, like, that's like a long time, five to 10 year process. Even if the stock market crashes, which a lot of people are predicting 
the market is going to be crashing very soon. It's like a bubble that's going on, very reminiscent of, you know, 2008 when the housing mm. market crashed. But, you know, that, that, I don't that's want to take away, nother. but there's a lot of stuff that that's a whole nother thing, man. That's whole a whole other thing. thing. But basically it, it poses a problem with that. Now where the positive things comes in, if, ho- if Hollywood didn't have any workers to make the stuff that they want to create, jobs are halted. Productions are halted. We don't get a new season of, of uh, what's a popular show? We don't get a new season of Stranger Things, which I love Stranger Things, but we don't get a new season of that. We don't get a new season of Euphoria. We don't get a new season of Atlanta. These are all shows that I love. So I hope, I hope that those get created. <laughs> but, but, and some of them are already finished and in the process of post, whatever. But anyway, those don't get created. New shows stop. New movies stop. Commercials stop because there's union commercials too. Um, and a lot of union stuff, but all that stuff stops because the workers are not getting treated right in Hollywood. The Alliance of motion pictures and television say, okay, we can sign a new contract that says, Hey, um, you know, we're going to give you guys the right wages. Well, we're not going to go 14 plus hour days. We're going to hit the 10 hour days minimum um, instead of it being like, you know, super, super long hours and crazy. Um, and giving the right turnaround times and all that kind of stuff, just making it safer and more livable for the for the workers on these jobs. That's the that's the goal. That's what everybody wants. And all these different unions now, SAG, the DGA, the WGA, the PGA, all these different uh, unions now are are in solidarity for the IATSE, and that is huge. Now, especially once you start to get more SAG actors in there, like um, Seth Rogen. And then a few other people, too, they've all kind of lobbied for the strike. Now, I don't know if you don't know too much about the writer's strike from back in like 2008 or something, but that was a huge thing, too. They striked for a yeah. little while and that definitely th- that affected the industry. And guess what? They made a change. So with that, I'm interested to see how it's going to happen, because even though there's not a lot of union jobs that happen here in the Bay, I think it still could affect uh, non-union jobs out here, too, because simply because um, people want people to be in solidarity. There, there could also be an issue with that as well. I was speaking to someone on set yesterday who said it could be an issue about if people don't strike, if people keep working and they're friends with certain people on unions or they know a lot of people in unions and they don't strike because, you know, they obviously want to, you know, live and survive out here uh, in America and pay bills and all this kind of stuff, feed their families, that some people might get upset about that because they're not striking with them and, and all this kind of stuff. So there, it, it's a weird fine line. And I want everyone to know who's listening and watching this podcast. I don't have the official, um, the official, you know, uh, notes and stuff like that set up as far as like what exactly is happening and what, what kind of stuff the Alliance of motion pictures and television have said to the IOC and what the IOC has said to them and how this has all started. I would say, just look it up for yourself. Google is your is your friend. Look it up. The strike is bound to happen. Um, me personally, how I feel about how it might affect me. Um, I'm not too worried. I, my, all of my stuff is kind of set and planned how I want it to be set and planned. But um, I have thought to myself, like, well, OK, say if there's a dry spell here in the Bay where there's no work for a few weeks, which that, you know, could happen. Um, it's like, OK, it's simple, not simple, but what I would do is I would just kind of, I would door dash a little bit, of course, but also if I needed to, I would go back home to Indiana for like however long, like a week or two and just stock up on projects over there. Um, which at this time, you know, I kind of said I was going to stop doing projects over in Indiana for a little while, especially if my budget isn't met, but 
um, it would be a lot more hustling on that side of it, you know, just getting products going over there um, or anywhere else, local businesses over here um, and just continue to do that. So we'll really see how it goes. But what is your thoughts on the strike, man? And what I mean, how does this affect you, do you think? I mean, what's going on in the industry right now, it's uh, not something that should be taken lightly. I, I do believe the strike, it's going to happen. Um, I do think it's unfair when we talk about fair wages and sort of working over that 14 hour, you know, I mean, think of it this way. You have movie stars in the industry and they've earned every right. They've earned every inch of success. We have stars, even when it comes to TV, when it comes to series, when it comes to movies, um, that are making multi-million dollar deals. I mean, mm-hmm. we even look at that that one deal that Netflix uh, sort of bought, I think, uh, Knives Out 2 and 3 for Ryan Johnson and, uh, you know, for Ryan Johnson and um, mm-hmm. James Bond, Daniel Craig, right? Yep, and Craig, I think yeah. they, they, paid, they paid like about, I don't know how much exactly, but I know each one of them, I mean, Everyone has, you know, teams and people, teams of people behind them. But from what I've been told is that these people are walking away with a lot of money and not, none of that money is going to the to the grips, to the electrics, to, you know, all these people that are working 14 plus hour jobs or 14 plus hour days, mm-hmm. uh, having 30 minutes to eat lunch uh, having or no, or no lunch even. No or lunch. no lunch no lunch sometimes having to drive home very late tired getting in car accidents we've heard those kind of we've heard those kind of stories and stuff like that i think this is necessary um mm-hmm. i do think this is necessary i, I think and it, the the interesting thing that's gonna that's gonna happen from this is how long the the strike is actually going to be in effect because if this is yeah. a, a strike that's gonna be like a year uh, the industry Imagine. right now is the industry right now is already on the ropes. I mean, streaming is big. Streaming is big. Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, Disney is doing some great stuff. HBO Max, I don't really know the numbers or anything like that. But streaming right now is doing big. Uh, uh, but the thing is, is that if this thing is is going to be like a year or two with a pandemic that we're still currently that we still currently find ourselves living in right now this let's not lose sight of that we are living in a global pandemic still since you know 2020 is now 2021 we're getting ready to go into 2022 and we're still in a pandemic millions and millions of people who have lost their lives you have all these protocols on set that you have to that you have to meet i've been vaccinated um, but not everyone has been vaccinated and all these kinds of things. So there's all these type of risks that are going on on top of the 14 uh, plus hour days, sometimes 16 hour days, not being able Crazy. to eat, not being able to sleep, getting, you know, all these kinds of things. You know, you look at insurance, you know, how are you going to feed your family? How are you going to do all these? These are all um, these are all issues that should come to light and, and something that we should be grappling with and dealing with. How do I think it's going to affect me? I don't think it's going to affect me at all. Um, all the stuff that I'm currently, that I currently find myself doing, I mean, I'm editing a few documentaries. I, I got this one opportunity to edit a documentary for Disney. Um, maybe that might affect awesome. it, but a lot of the work, maybe a, a lot of the work that I'm doing right now currently, um, I'm a free agent. Um, so I'm doing a lot of stuff for my company, the Domville company. I'm doing stuff, passion projects, 
doing passion. I'm following your footsteps, man. Uh, I'm doing passion <laughs> projects for myself. Um, and I'm working with a lot of clients right now. I built out a client base in LA, built out a client base in Miami, building out, trying to build out a client base right now in Atlanta. And so that way I, no matter where I go, I have work sort of coming in. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on how long the strike lasts. If it lasts for two, three years, it could affect, affect me greatly. But right now where I'm at in my career right now, I don't really see it, you know, uh, being the needle very much. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. It's, that's where I feel too. I feel like it won't affect me too much. Um, will it start? Cause you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of non-union stuff out here. Um, but I, I definitely do believe 1000% that, you know, that a few jobs will probably, it, it might not be, some jobs will probably end up stopping. There might not be a lot of work happening for a little bit. And I, and I believe it's the 100% right, right thing to do. Um, I actually want to read this, um, I want to read this post that I screenshotted from a grip who I've worked with a lot. Shout out to Mike Best. I don't know if Mike will be listening to this, but Mike Best, shout out to you. Um, I believe he is in support of the IOTC, and I don't and I don't know if he might be in it. He might. I think he's in one of the local unions for sure for Genie um, out in the Bay. But um, so he he says this, and I screenshotted because I thought it was a very perfect way to kind of sum up. Uh, to like people who might not understand what the strike is about, because, you know, I've, I've explained this strike a little bit to like people who I know in real life, my family and friends and stuff. And it's something that they don't understand and I, and they might not get the real impact of what this might mean for their favorite shows, but uh, let's talk about it. So he says the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of motion pictures and television uh, and whatnot. They said, he says the AMTP, the AMPTP, has shown they have no regard for crew members' safety or well-being. We are asking for a raise to match inflation, meals at six hours, proper turnaround from ending one day to starting the next, putting an end to 14-plus-hour days, and for us to have enough time off on a weekend to do more than just laundry. The studios, have, the studios and streaming services have had record profits and are producing more shows than ever before, yet they won't give us a pay raise to match inflation. Uh, and want to remove our meal period. This would be unacceptable in any other industry. Why should we be forced to work under those conditions? The truth is the world will go on go on without TV shows and movies. Vote for authorization to strike. It's time we stood up for our rights. And just hearing him say that, it's just very powerful because I've been on a set and I explained this on my most recent podcast with Steve Franks. Shout out to Steve Franks. I explained to him about, the, about this um, Matrix right um and by the time this all comes out matrix has probably not came out yet so i don't want to like speak too highly on it as much but matrix was one of those sets that had some shit just like that there was like a 19 hour day one time that we shot 5 p.m to like 12 p.m the very next day is when we ended or i felt like at least when i went home and uh it was so brutal and they had something called french hours which is you know french hours is where you don't get a like an, a 30 minute or an hour lunch break you someone will go to set hand you your lunch and you eat whenever you can but the whole set is still working that's insane that's crazy that's that's ridiculous and uh it was like as much as i loved not really loved but as much as i had fun and experienced matrix that set was very awesome to be on and the movie's gonna be awesome that was not one of the most fun experiences i've had on set to keep it all the way honest like i worked on venom 2 at the same time and venom was a much better experience for me so um this industry is brutal man its industry is so brutal 
And this is also goes to the people who are listening, who are, you know, in film school or wanting to be in the film school, you know, um, pay attention to that stuff, because if you don't pay attention to it, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna end up having a rude awakening when you get met with something like that. You may really, really love it, but when you don't understand of how it can affect your money and how it affects the livelihood of your mental he- mental health and physical health, it, it can it can be very very brutal. So I say that to everybody is to get yourself right, you know, take care of yourself, um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but moving on, health, health, health is wealth, man. Health is wealth. Health is wealth. Moving on to back back to you. We went off on a very huge tangent, which was good though. I'm glad. I, I love that we went on this tangent. Um, I want to kind of go just briefly into um, post-graduation for you. Um, And this kind of might go into maybe some mental health stuff, possibly a little bit, maybe. But, like, what was life like for you after Full Sail? Like, um, you obviously moved to L.A. not too long after graduation. Um, I want to know what that experience was like for you to take that leap uh, to California and to L.A. and in Hollywood, basically. Well, um, we graduated in 2016. I believe it was March 25th, 2016. I yep. remember that date precisely because that's the date of my grandmother's birthday. So that go. was a good that was a good birthday present for her. Um, for me, after graduation, I've already at that point during during that period of 2015 was doing an immense amount of freelance work. So it kind of it kind of you know bled into 2016. 2016, I was on this period of just making as many short films as I could. I made Waving the Flare. Uh, Shout out to Jose Guzman um, and Ethan, um, who who that was sort of, that was that project that Ethan wanted to do. And to anybody who's listening to this uh, podcast, Ethan is a a gentleman that we went to school with. Um, He had this passion project called Addicted. Uh, which stands from um, a person who deals with, uh, uh, I guess, pornography addiction. So he was trying to get this project off the ground for, you know, quite some time. So, you know, closer to graduation, we all got together. We made the project happen. That's a short film called Waving the Flare. It's on my Vimeo page if you want to check it out. Um, Then I went on and made uh, Midnight Kiss. Midnight Kiss was such a transformative endeavor and experience that I will take with me for the rest of my life. Um, And I showed that film to Kevin O'Neill, one of our instructors at Full Sail University, um, one of my mentors. And he told me that was the first film of mine where he saw that it was me, that all these other projects that you've done, they're, they're, they're nice. You know, it's great to put on your portfolio, but this is you your sense of humor, your sensibility, all these kinds of things. That's when I begin to see in filmmaking that um, like we, you go to see a Quentin Tarantino movie, you go to see a Christopher Nolan movie. They have their different sensibilities, their different directions, their different style. I think that's the yeah. right word is style. Mm-hmm. Um, and in when I made um, Midnight Kiss in 2016, that was when I came into my own style after making this, uh, you know, slew of short films prior 2014, 2015, spec commercials, music videos and stuff like that. I begin to develop a style and I was able to implement that style in that film. And from that film, able to move forward in other projects with it. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So in doing that, I, I freelanced after um, after Full Sail University. Did a lot of project in South Florida, spe- specifically in Central Florida when it comes in that Orlando area and stuff like that. In 2018, I got a, a great opportunity uh, to go out to California. I was a producer and editor for this uh, house flipping documentary series that was launching. Um, so I got to go ahead and produce the whole series and went out at the, the series. The headquarters was based in San Clemente in California, which is in Orange County. Um, mm-hmm. But I did a lot of work in uh, Baltimore, um, did a lot of work in Houston, uh, did some work in Atlanta, and a lot of work in Cali for that series. And the series was very successful, very mm-hmm. thankful to have had that opportunity. As I was out there in California, you know, hanging out with some of the guys we went to and, you know, graduated with Deshaun and Trevor, you know, went out and see movies and, you know, hung out and had a good yeah. time and stuff like that. Um, but we, we started to do some projects and stuff, you know, here and there um, specifically, you know, speaking about myself and my experience. Um, I did a lot of freelance work, worked on some music videos, worked on some passion projects, made some more films and stuff like that. Then I had this epiphany and To all those who are listening to this podcast, make no mistake about it. I am not a patient person. I'm really not patient. (laughs) So there there are certain things that I want to do, and I want to do it like right now. I don't want to wait a year. I don't want to wait a few months. Hell, I don't even want to wait a day or two. I just want to do it. You know what I mean? So that's just my personality. And Mm -hmm. it's not a a good thing. Thing. It's not a bad thing. I would just categorize it as it's unique to me. Um, but <laughs> I had I had I had this epiphany where That's I was funny. like, you know what? I want to make a film. I've been working on all these projects. I was working on music videos, working on all these great stuff, you know, and, and the, the money was right, the money was good and stuff like that. But I wanted to make something. It's been at that period, I made Devil and White. I'm sorry. Go back to 2017, made Devil and White, which is a concept. Uh, for uh, a feature film I'm currently ha- I, cur- I currently have in pre-production right now and developing but um it's been like it was like almost a a, a, a one and a half or two year period since I made a short film mm-hmm. and it was kind of driving me crazy and I was like I gotta make a film I gotta make a film so I wrote this film um actually I'm sorry to go on a tangent Let's rewind back. Before I went to California, I wrote this short film called Menagerie Affair. And I was like, okay, let me go ahead and try to make this in South Florida and stuff like that. And that's when I got the opportunity then went to California. I put that short film on the shelf because I was doing all this work. I didn't have the time to go ahead and do it. Or at least I was telling myself I didn't have the time to go ahead and do it. So I put that film on the shelf and I tried to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And I found myself in the cycle where I was producing all this work, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. work that I was really uh, proud of. It wasn't Mm -hmm. work that I could honestly say, um, you know, I could show this to this person and this, that, and the other. It didn't, it didn't creatively fulfill me. I think it's the right terminology for me to use. It didn't creatively fulfill me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make this short film. I got, the boys together, Deshaun and Trevor, took them to a park and said, hey, guys, listen, I want to make this short film. Uh, what's it going to take for us to get it made uh, or, or to have it to, to, to have it come into fruition? Of course, they mm-hmm. told me all this logistical stuff, and um, it didn't work out. So in 2019, 
Um, I said, you know what? I need to make this film. I, I, it's, it's, it's on the, it's just, it's, it's itching out. It's scratching at me. I got to make it, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get it made. Um, so in 2019, I started rewriting it and developed it a little bit further. Turned out to be uh, a little bit bigger than what I thought. So uh, it wasn't like this four or five page script I was going to do anymore. It turned into like a 70 page type of script. And um, I was like, okay, great. This, which, which wasn't my first feature that I wrote. The first feature I wrote is putting on the mask. I wrote that back when we were in college. And right now it is devil in white, the fencing movie that I am currently uh, working on right now. So it's with, it's been through some changes and stuff like that, but um, you know, I'm no stranger to writing a feature film. So I wrote it and developed it a little bit further in 2019. I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to Florida um, because that's where my base is. I know some actors. I know some people. You know, uh, I wanted to work with Jose Guzman again, who we graduated with. He produced Waving the Flare with me. He produced Midnight Kiss with me. This was going to be the third film that we produced together. So I wanted to go back to my home state, make this film with my brother that I love, and uh, try to get it to you know see what we could do with it. Treat it like a thesis project. So. We had all this stuff going up, you know, we had getting people together and stuff like that. Then 2020 happened. COVID-19 happened. happened. And um, <laughs> it happened. let me tell you, it did happen. And it, it, it shook the industry. It shook a lot of industries. A lot of people's world. lives. It shook the world. A lot of people's lives are forever changed because of it. And um, I was no exception. Um, I had a few investors, a few small companies that were going to be interested in uh, partnering up with us on this on this uh, film. Um, it was going to be the biggest budget I ever had. And unfortunately, those companies uh, were affected by the industry um, and uh, had to pull out. And uh, me being the kind of person that I am, I just was not patient, didn't want to wait. I looked into my bank account, which wasn't pretty at the time. And uh, I took out the spare change that I had in there and we went out, we made this film in a few days, um, which probably wasn't the best decision to do, but either way, it was a great learning experience. Made this film in a few days uh, with, with some of my friends um, and we just had a good time. Um, but I learned a lot when I first, after graduation, making my way out to California. It was a great experience because it taught me so much um, and gave me so much experience. The one thing that I think is invaluable um, when it comes to this industry, and especially for people who are starting out right now, is experience. Get it, get on as many sets as possible. Learn as many positions as possible, and um, be humble. You know, I want everybody who wants to go to film school, or, or you know, a lot of people who do go to film school, they want to be the next Roger Deakins. They want to be the next Steven Spielberg, the next Paul Thomas Anderson or Christopher Nolan or Ryan Coogler or, you know, all these filmmakers who are doing what it is that they're doing at, or aspire to do at a high level. We all want to do that. Everybody, Deshaun, I love Deshaun. He wanted mm. to be the next Quentin Tarantino, man. Yeah, um, he really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's not, and listen, at the end of the day, he's going to be the next Deshaun Bailey. And I, I've yeah. had this conversation with him. You're going to be the next Stefan Whitaker. I'm going to be the next Andrew Domville. Yeah, you want to pattern your career and stuff out after other people that influence you, um, that you aspire to do great work like like they're doing. But at the end of the day, you want to you know have your own style, remain true to yourself and your sensibilities, play that up. But you know, 
I would say get as much experience as possible and be humbled and, and, and understand that this is an industry with a lot of twists and turns up and down. I, I mean, you have, there are going to be times where it's pouring rain and then you're going to have droughts. Okay. That's just how this industry is. Yeah. And um, you got to accept the good with the bad. I think going to California instilled that in me because being in Florida, I was in my comfort zone, man. I was, I was working and, and mm -hmm. I was, and when you're in your comfort zone, you stay stagnant. It's hard to progress. It's hard to, to get to that next level because you're so comfortable and time doesn't stop. It doesn't wait around for anybody. You know, you're, you graduated 20. We graduated, both you and I, we graduated full cell at 20. We're not 25. And that time mm -hmm. went by like that. I'm sure you would yeah. agree. Went, yeah. like, went by like that. It's what you yeah. make of the time and how you utilize it. Going to California, getting that experience, being knocked down as many times as I was knocked down when I went to California, uh, instilled something in me that I didn't have when I was in Florida. Instilled a sense of... of drive a sense of 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 ambition and hunger that i that i didn't really have prior to actually making my way out to california i i, I do think in order to really do something worthwhile not just in this career but in life being comfortable and being in this safe space you have to be a little uncomfortable you have to be willing to be a little unsafe Mm -hmm. I think that's where the, the best work happens and when you're really able to really level up. And we all look at these people that are on the Mount Rushmore of filmmaking. You know, you have your Stanley Kubricks, you know, you have your Kurosawas, you know, you have, you have all these great filmmakers that you would look at the Mount Rushmore of, of, of directing or filmmaking and say, wow, I aspire to be like that. But are you willing to pay the price that those people pay? Are you willing to go through the ups and downs those people have made, those sacrifices that those people made? All you can look at it from the sidelines, and you know, Stefan doing some extraordinary things, you know, working on a, a, as a PA on these on these big time Hollywood blockbusters that are currently playing in the theater right now. Uh, if there, if you if you've been vaccinated or if you feel safe going out and venturing out to the theater. I suggest you do so if you if you if you feel safe enough to go ahead and do it because these movies are something worthwhile and I and I believe truly and honestly they are saving our industry. So please go out and support those filmmakers if you feel safe enough to go ahead and do that. Or if not, you can always rent the movie online or you know on iTunes or something like that. But let's you know put the money we're paying money for these products that we're getting and the, our filmmakers deserve to be compensated um, because mm -hmm. we're, 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 you know, everything like that. But I do think it was important for me to actually go to California because I've learned so much from it. It, it instilled so much um, experience in me um, to actually apply in other aspects of my life. And that, that's something that I always, always take that I will always take with me moving forward. You know, it was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, the risks are so, the risks are very, very important. I mean, I, I look at my whole career as a risk, you know, I, I look at everything. I look at the way that I look at my career as a risk for me personally, you know, even though I really truly believe that I'm going to be exactly where I plan to be, it's a risk to say that, to think that, you know, because there's prices that come with that, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of people you know, that that end up getting cutting cut off or end up, you know, getting less attention. <laughs> I but, guess. All, but, but, but also, too, like I said, you're doing some big things in the industry. 
for all those viewers out there, I lost my train of thought when I went on that tangent. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you're doing Stefan. Stefan is doing big stuff in the industry. I am doing some good stuff in the industry. A lot of people, you know, that I've noticed that I went to school with are doing some great stuff in the industry. But at the end of the day, too, you can look at these people from the sidelines and say, hey, I want to do what it is that Stefan is doing. I want to do this. How do I do this? How do I? But at the end of the day, you know what price he's paying? You know what price I'm paying? You know how many sacrifices I have to make daily in order to stay afloat in this industry? It's for one thing, it's it's highly competitive. It's over it's it's overly saturated. Everybody with the iPhone right now is making a movie. Yeah. Okay, so 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 it's 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 yeah. overly saturated and it's a great market, but you know, at the end of the day. There's a lot of wear and tear and stuff like that. So it's easy to look at a person or look at the Mount Rushmore filmmaker filmmakers and say, hey, I'm going to be this or I want to do this. But are you willing to do that? And I think putting your priorities in order, um, coming to an understanding and being true, truly honest with yourself. I think in many ways, a lot of people are in this industry. And uh, for me, I'm too stubborn to change uh, made, or to change, you know, what it is that I'm doing. I'm not going to change it. This is what I set out to do and I'm going to do it. That's just my mindset. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room when it comes to mental health and the health that we are talking about. And this is an industry almost unlike any other. I think the entertainment industry as a whole, when it comes to music, when it comes to the arts, I mean, even, you know, anything like that. I recently watched this movie on um, Netflix. It's called Really Love. And uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a black. Oh, yeah. Black love. Yeah, I've seen that. Very good. It's I like black it. love. Yeah, it's yeah. Black love, man. And um, the director, I believe her name is Angel. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but um, she did an extraordinary job with that. But the, the, the film yeah. very, very similar to Candyman, which was out in theaters, uh, which the I just saw. But yeah, which I just saw like the other week by Nia DaCosta. Who's, who's extraordinary director, great filmmaker mm-hmm. in her own her own right, um, but both films sort of deal with the art world, and um, yeah, yeah. you know sp- specifically speaking about really love, you have this the, these two people who are who are so infatuated with one another with one another. Um, uh, I, the, I, I forget the character's name, but she is like, mm-hmm. she's trying to aspire to become a lawyer. He's like in the art world, he's a painter and stuff like that. And they're both taking this full on approach to their career, which yeah. has a, a profound impact on their relationship. And that is so, it, to me, it was one of the most honest films that I've I've seen in quite some time because, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't have that Hollywood traditional ending or, you know, you know, that, the way we the see happy it, it was ending, yeah. yeah it was it was life and i could relate to that and in this industry there's a lot of sacrifices there's a lot of things that go into what it is that we're doing and to be able to do it at at the level that we're doing it as that may not be the best place for every single person going to california was transcendent for me because i'm in the position that i'm in right now specifically from that experience, from going to Full Sail, from doing that DCI, directing that project from DCI, from making this, uh, this expanding that short film until uh, this, this feature that's currently in post-production right now that we're going to be putting out a trailer for very soon. I mean, all these kinds of things have had an effect uh, 
my uh, on my career in the way in my outlook the way I see the world and everything like that. So going to California played an important role, important piece to who I am, at who I am today, and um, I'm very thankful for it. No, absolutely. Um, I guess with the point back with the back to like the really love and Candyman. One thing I noticed about those films a lot, yeah, you're right. They definitely had a very uh, symmetrical, somewhat situation in there in the story, um, as far as just like Candyman. You know, uh, I forget the Yaya. Uh, I, I forget his last name. Very great. Yaya Dumatine. Yeah, Yaya Dumatine, which is funny. I actually worked with him and met him because he's you know he's in Matrix, um, and I didn't really know at the stardom that he was going to be at because I just remember him from Aquaman at that time. But I like seen him on set and I'm like, oh shit, that's Yaya. And I wish I would have got a chance to like speak to him. But um, but uh, yeah, like those two films. What I kind of realized in ways is that how the man who was the artist was just like so obsessed with his art. That's all he really cared about. And it cost that relationship, you know, it cost, it cost that because he just wanted to see the stardom and those, what those films are like to me as someone who loves love and loves black love and, and, and sees myself in that, in that space eventually someday, I don't know, someday is damn. I don't want to be in that position where it's like, damn, I'm over here only caring about the art and that's it, you know, and that's it. And I, and I, and I, and I, my relationship is cost because of that, you know? Um, so that, that, that was a, a good, those movies were very good. I liked really love more than Candyman. Candyman wasn't my like favorite movie that I've seen this year. It was really good, but I, it was kind of, it was underwhelming. I feel like in just some of the, um, what some of the too. impact. Yeah. It was some nice balance. It was very beautiful. I think that uh, Nia's direction was very great. I think just as it being like almost like a direct sequel, you know, it was really cool, too, in that realm. But there's like a few things that just didn't hit for me all the way. Really Love was like, you know, I, I didn't know much about I just had seen it was promoted so much on Twitter and then I checked it out. And Really Love was really cool. Um, just one thing I hated about those movies, about the characters wise, I would say, is I did not like the main characters, like the dudes. The dudes were just like it made you not like them. And then when you think about how that could be related in real life and how you could almost place yourself in that situation, it's like, damn, damn, that, I don't want to be that guy. I mean, then I don't here, like here, myself. Yeah, here, <laughs> here, right here are these, here are these two guys, you know, in relationships with these two fantastic, intelligent, um, beautiful, talented women, um, and they're pouring all their passion stuff into their work, and sort of that, in many ways, is sort of hindering their relationship directly mm -hmm. to their their spouse, their significant other, and. Um, I think in many ways I see myself um, in that because for me, when I watched Really Love, which I, I know this isn't a film review for this podcast, but when <laughs> I watched that, when I watched that film, I felt the authenticity in it. Um, it resonated immensely with me because I saw myself. I saw, you know, a lot of myself into it because there's a lot of time that I've devoted into this specific endeavor into filmmaking where a lot of my relationships family you know romantic relationships have sort of suffered because of this one pursuit i think at the end of the day what this film made me see um and it, i don't it, it wasn't the message in the film but it was like well if i can see myself in it well what's different 
balance, mm-hmm. finding that balance, being able to turn on when it's time to turn on. You know, you come to the plate with the bat, you know, you're ready, but you have to be able to turn off too. You know what I yeah. mean? And um, that seeing that film, uh, especially, you know, the last few weeks and something like that, it's something I've, I continuously think about because uh, it's something that I can, of course, improve on in my own life. One thousand percent. No, absolutely, man. And it's just, you know, it's it's interesting how those films, how you how much you can see yourself in certain characters. So the fact that I think to myself, like, yeah, I didn't like those two characters, but then I realized, like, damn, I don't want to be in that position because I feel like if I was in a relationship right now at this very moment, I feel like I'd be like that. So Oh no, 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 I know. I, I know a hundred percent you'd be like that, man. You'd be like that a hundred percent. Oh man, you know, it's just like now I feel it because when it comes to relationships in general, it's just like I just don't care. No, no, I don't want to say I don't care because my last relationship, I cared a lot. But I also think that was part of part of the hindrance because I cared a lot while maybe not being cared for as much as I would have liked, you know. So it's different. Bro, it's a it's a different way. But you know, bro, that's a, that's a fear, man. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it's all stems from. It's all it's for one, it stems from insecurity, but another, it stems from fear. Because when you open up your heart like that, and it's not, um, it's not reciprocated uh, in return, then yeah. um, it does. It, it can leave a scar, and it can affect you, affect your work. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in many ways, it's like, hey, man, hell, I don't want to be in that position again. Let me close off, and I can only speak from experience. I didn't have the the best of uh, breakups in 2016, and it really affected my work um, for good, for better, or for worse. It really affected my work. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best the best product that I was ever ever able to make, Midnight Kiss, directly stemmed from what happened um, in my previous relationship. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I. A lot of people liked the film. A lot of people enjoyed it and said, hey, man, we're, we're seeing you level up. Um, but then it came from such a place of of a pain and confusion. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me close off. Yeah. And to, to, to where the only thing that really matters right now is my work. But that, in many ways, is a mechanism or, 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 or this elaborate a scheme that I've sort of come up with to not be placed in that position again, where I can be affected like that uh, mentally and emotionally. So I think it comes from a place of fear and, you know, it's like you go, you go up to the stove, you burn your hand because the the stove is on. It's like, hell man, I got to make sure that's, I don't want to burn my hand again. You know what I mean? It's like taking (laughs) necessary uh, precautions to make sure you're not in that position, but in many ways you're closing yourself off and, um, time is just going to continue continuously keep going, and you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. At least for me, I'm going to you know I'm going to miss out on yeah. a lot of opportunities because of it. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned the burning. I, I was making some food last night and stubbed my quick little hand on it to hurt for like a few seconds, and it's not no scar, but it's you can tell like it's a little smooth area where it's like burnt at. I'm like, ah, that's trash. But um, uh, to kind of get close to ending this off, I want to talk about two things that it seems like for you is a pretty big part of your life. If we just talk about what kind of is, is a good like healing component for us mentally and physically, uh, you've always been big on your on your um, 
your fitness and your faith. Uh, you've been big on those and I've noticed that. And I think a lot of people who, who have met you have noticed that. Um, I don't know how outward you are with, well, at least back in the day, you were very outward with your fitness and I think your faith too. You'd be taking off your damn shirt. You know what I mean? To show off the muscles. And I'm like, man, who is this big muscled up dude? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, hold on. Where'd you go? Uh Oh, <laughs> look, I dissed him and he went away. Andrew, you still there? I see that you're – hold on. Oh, there you are. What? <laughs> Technical what happened there? That was difficult. <laughs> what, what were you saying, man? You, I, I, it cut out the part where you were saying take off your shirt and everything like that. <laughs> so that's where the part it cut out, man. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Whoever's watching this on you, that's funny. Anyway, um no, just fitness and faith. Where does that where does that land for you? How how important is that to you? Okay. So fitness is very important to me. Um for me, it, it provides a level of a level of for me, when it comes to fitness, it's a lifestyle decision. And it provides uh, a lot of benefits, of course, you know, health and everything like that. But it also gives me structure. And for me, where I am right now in my life, that's sort of something I need. When I when I pour so much of myself into my work, working on these projects, I mean, both Stefan and I are, you know, entrepreneurs in our own rights. You know, we're 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 building out things for ourselves, but we're also working on various projects at the same time. It can be stressful and overwhelming. For me, going to the gym or just working out in general is my stress relief. It allows me to um, take all of that frustration that I might be dealing with or all of that anxiety or, or anything like that yeah. and, 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 and put it, and put it, to, put it into the gym and uh, it allows me, it allows uh, me to yeah. really get it out and stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm very thankful for it. Um, it's a productive way uh, to, to, I'm not to laughing at you. I'm not laughing okay. at you. <laughs> I'm <Okay>. laughing <laughs> at the frustration part. Yeah, that's what, the way you said it. <laughs> the way you said it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm be honest, man. You know, doing this filmmaking thing, you know, you get frustrated every day, all, so, all the time, all the time. All the time. So, uh, I need the gym. The gym helps me with that. And um, for me, I, I just I like the I like the routine of it. It allows me to uh, stay focused. Um, yeah. Like you say, you're at you say you're at the gym. You're trying to hit a new PR. Or you're trying to hit a goal, right? Yeah. You have to work to try to hit that goal. And that that and to be able to hit that goal, it's not just the, the time you put in in the gym. It's the time you put in outside of the gym that really yeah. helps you hit that goal. So yeah. diet, sleep, um, um, how many meals you're taking in a day, your calories and, and all that kind of stuff. That plays a role in you actually achieving that next PR or something that you want to do, right? And I equate it to filmmaking too. It's not filmmaking isn't just this thing that you do. Like it, it to me, it's not a hobby. I'm not a hobbyist. This isn't my hobby. This is my career. This is what I do for a living. 
You know, I mean, this isn't something I do with friends on the weekends. This is something I do and I make a living doing. Uh, uh, I make a living uh, doing it. You know, I'm very thankful for. But, you know, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the time I put in during the weekdays. It's like when I when I leave the office, when I leave my, you know, sanctuary, because right now I'm in my office. I have my C stands right there. I have my lights right there. I have my my camera equipment all over the place and stuff like that. I'm in this office almost seven days a week. And out and, at, and when I do leave this office, when I do get home or when I go back to, you know, when I, when I get on a flight and get back to California or something like that, the work doesn't stop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's a lifestyle decision, just like uh, going to the gym. It's a lifestyle decision. So um, I equate it in many ways. There's a lot of similarities to it. But the, the good thing about the gym is that it allows me to get in shape. Uh, mm -hmm. It allows me to stay healthy. And uh, those are, you know, benefits that I need to continuously do this filmmaking thing long term, because doing filmmaking can be very unhealthy. I mean, sometimes you don't have time to cook all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you find yourself at KFC or at McDonald's uh, almost all yeah. too many times a week. So, you you know, you got to really prioritize <laughs> and try to be as healthy as you can doing this thing. So uh, it helps me do that. Yeah, fitness is huge. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a big part of my life, too. I mean, I just feel like it's it's obviously better to be like have yourself physically fit so you can, you know, be good about your health. Uh, I've always it's, it's always been something big for me because, you know, my uh, my health is is always it's been it's always been important to me because, you know, my family has and a lot of black families have like, you know, um, hereditary issues, health like health wise. You know, my my family is, uh, is hereditary for like diabetes and stuff. Um, and it's like, I thank God, thank God that I have not had that issue. But, you know, I still have had like high blood pressure issues, which, you know, can lead the next step. Once you kind of fuck up is, you know, diabetes. And it's like, I don't want to be in that level. You know what I mean? I don't want to be at that level because I've seen my mom and my brother have to deal with that all their lives. And and it's just like, you know, not all their lives, but it's since I've been born. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I don't want to be in that position. So I've always wanted to make sure to, to, to keep up with my health. And, you know, I just got this gym membership recently. I went to the gym the other day and you know, like, I've definitely lost as much. I've lost a lot of power that I've had as far as like lifting. Cause I, I used to lift like a pretty heavy amount. I'm gonna have to upload a video here in the on the podcast video. I used to, I was benching like 315, 320 or whatever for a little while and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been able to hit that. I've always been using my strength more in like, you know, being at work sometimes when there's a lot of heavy lifting to do there, I'll, you know, pick up a lot of weight. I'm usually the guy, the guy that a lot of people will be like, Hey, that's a big fellow over there. Let's go put his ass to work and do this and do that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. But, um, just being healthy is important. Like playing football and, and rugby and all that being involved in all those sports in high school was such a huge thing for me. That's what really helped me get into that type of life. Um, and it, it's amazing that I, you know, was able to do that for so long. And I kind of miss it sometimes because there was just, a, there was just a certain kind of motivation, a certain kind of level and emphasis on, putting your ass to work physically to get stronger and, and faster and whatever that sports had on me that sometimes when you're outside of that, it's kind of tough unless you're really, really disciplined on that. So it's always been a thing for me. The, the pandemic stopped me from doing it the best way that I, you know, doing it at the consistency that I was doing it at, but now I'm kind of back on to trying to do that, you know, uh, 
getting myself, you know, buying different proteins, getting protein shakes, having, it's kind of hard to have the right meals all the time, you know, or have the, like, it's tough on that. The diet part is the hardest freaking part for me. And that's the hardest part is way harder than the lifting aspect. So, you know, uh, that's, that's the part that I want to try to help as much. I mean, I still got some broccolis and carrots and stuff that, (laughs) that I need to like really start eating. I might do that like as a meal later on today or something, but, um, yeah, fitness is huge and important. I would I would say to everybody who's listening to get yourself in the gym, do something to get yourself physically fit. Even if you can't afford the gym right now on a monthly basis, uh, just go out there and go take some hikes, go on some runs, do some mountain biking, like be, be physically active. Um, that was the one thing that kind of helped me during the pandemic because I just hiked a lot. And eventually I'll probably tell that story on the podcast. But like hiking, hiking was such a huge lifestyle change for me. And I haven't hiked in a while just because of, you know, work has been taking up all of my damn time, but hiking is huge. Hiking is important. I might find a hike tomorrow just for the hell of it, you know? Um, but faith, where did that come from? How did you, you've been big on your faith. I want you to explain on that too. How, how has that kind of changed your life briefly? If you could, if you could say, well, I am uh, to all the viewers and people who are listening, I am a Christian and um, I was sort of, I was, I don't want to say I was born into the faith. I, I mean, I, I, I learned a lot about Christianity from my grandparents um, growing up, and that sort of was uh, instilled in me. Um, but then I started, I, I came to, to learn Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And um, I just, from there, it's just been uh, a relationship. So going to college and everything like that, I've, I always stayed true to that um, because it was always a part of me, I felt. And um, outside of college and stuff like that, you know, I, I begin to um, really focus and uh, on my on my career and my work and everything like that. And just real talk. Um, I'm not as strong in my faith as I was, you know, a few years ago. And I think that's because of all the time and all the work that I've dedicated to this specific thing. And um, that sort of that's sort of something I put on the back burner. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I will acknowledge that, you know, Christ is my Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, he is very important and plays an important role at, at, in, in every, any and everything that I do. And I don't, mm-hmm. for, for me personally, there's nothing that I do and there's nothing that I've achieved and will not achieve in the future that isn't directly correlated or uh, to him. He's the reason for everything. He's the reason I'm breathing. He's the reason I... I've got all these opportunities right now. He's the reason I'm on this podcast right now. He's the reason for all of that kind of stuff. So I, I, mm-hmm. I give him the glory, the honor, and the praise for that. And I'm uh, thankful uh, and grateful every day, each and every day, to continuously do what it is that we went to school to do, uh, that we love doing, and um, just growing as human beings. You know, I think that's important. Yeah. <clears throat> um, absolutely, man. I don't know if you ever got a chance to listen to No Sweat Pimp, have you? Or did you? I did. I did. Yeah, well, you know, I, obviously- I, I, I to, to all the viewers, to everybody who's listening, I I, I reached out to Stefan um, about No Sweat Pimp. I, I sent him a, a message over, I think over Messenger on Facebook. He can't look at it now because I deleted my Facebook. But I sent him a message over Messenger and I told him what I thought about the album. I thought it was extraordinary. I thought it was great. 
I forget the time. I forget my favorite song on it. I forget the title of it, but I even yeah. told you about that. So I, I thought that was a great album. It talked about a lot of things. It, it talked about faith. It talked about struggle. It talked about all those yeah. kind of things that I was dealing with and could relate to. Yeah, exactly. That's why I bring it up, you know, because No Sweat Pimp uh, deal, dealt with a lot of that, you know, because I felt like that's something I've been going through a lot. It's always been a struggle of faith, you know. I I don't I don't I'm not in any sort of religion, but I'm very spiritual. I definitely believe in God. I definitely believe like there's been so many different examples of what God has done, and and it's it's only a it's only a divine divine thing because of that. Like I think when I worked with Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar, that was that was a whole God given thing. You know, me being out here in California was a God given thing. Me going back to Indiana after college was a God given thing. There's there's lots of moments like that um, for me. And you know, there's always those struggles. I think for me, the most recent of that was definitely probably after my breakup. You know, there was definitely a lot of moments where I was I, I was questioning faith, uh, questioning my faith, uh, we'll call it, you know, as far as that goes, like there was just a lot of that. Uh, because it didn't seem like anything was going right when I wanted to go right when I was praying, like the moments that I did pray, I don't pray as often as I, you know, probably should or whatever, or however people might look at it. But, um, yeah, I felt like the times when I was praying didn't go right. The times that I didn't pray, I think those things kind of more went in my favor, which was very interesting to look at that in just a different perspective. But, um, yeah, no faith, faith is, faith is interesting, man. I think a lot of people, I, I there's a person Shout out to Francisco. He's an amazing filmmaker out here in the Bay who I've met and got a chance to work with in a lot of stuff. Very awesome guy who also has a very, really uh, great podcast as well. He has a podcast called the miscellaneous podcast. Don't worry about paying me for this advertisement at Francisco, yeah. <laughs> uh, but a uh, very great guy. I hope to have him on the podcast one day, but um, me and him had a conversation because I think he's an, I think he's an atheist actually. And we had a conversation about, about, uh, about that. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like atheism, I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of technically, I don't know if it's religion, but it's, it's something of like that. Like there's a, a belief of not believing. I don't know. Um, but it was interesting having a conversation with him because, you know, just hearing his different perspective of why he wouldn't believe. And uh, whenever it's funny, whenever I am on like dating sites and stuff, and whenever they say that they're an atheist, I usually skip past them, <laughs> you know, which is funny because like, you know, I don't know. Faith is something that I that is eventually always going to be a conversation I want to have with a person who I'm in a relationship with or friends with even, you know, um, and I don't blame anyone for their beliefs. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't uh, I don't I'm not against whatever kind of religion that they that they may partake in. That's there. That's that's up to them as long as they don't. You know, as long as they don't use that belief of religion to try to to try to uh, attack someone, you know, as long as that's not the case, then, I, you know, I'm cool with whatever. But it was interesting to have a conversation with him because we we specifically spoke a lot about just, you know, why and why not. And I think one of the beliefs, not really beliefs, but one of the things I always remember seeing and saying uh, there's the show Euphoria, which I don't know if you've watched that show, but it's I'm gonna incredible. I'm gonna be checking it out. I'm gonna be checking it out. Let me tell you this: you never watched it. You never watched it? No, it's on HBO Max. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. be checking it out. Let yeah. me tell you: be prepared. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. If you never watched it, it's a lot. I watched it, and it's a lot. But I loved it. I loved it. But it is a lot. Let me just tell you that it's a lot to deal with. Um, that show, there's an episode with um 
Domingo Coleman, I think his name is, is his name. I could be so wrong. I think that's his name. Domingo Coleman and, of course, Zendaya. Shout out to Zendaya. I would love to interview Zendaya. She's a Bay Area native. I would love to interview her, but that's another story. Anyway, she there's an interview. There's a conversation they had in this story about belief and how, you know, when you watch the show, she's like been a drug addict and all this kind of stuff. And the the dialogue from this episode, I'll say, Andrew, it's some of the best dialogue I've ever out of any sort of pro, like film, TV show, video game, whatever. <laughs> some of the best dialogue yeah, you know I'm Ever. big on dialogue. You know I'm big on dialogue. It's so great, man. And I remember having to explain this same exact same exact situation of that story from the episode uh, or dialogue from the episode uh, with this girl who I was kind of like just talking to at, at one point, which didn't last long at all. <laughs> but I remember bringing it up to her because she was one of them girls. She was kind of a sad girl, low key. And um yeah, she had just didn't have a belief of God. And it had to do with basically her saying that her, you know, after her like best friend passed away and her grandmother passed away or something like that, that she didn't start to believe in God. Like, oh, why would God take away my family? And then, of course, you know, I had this, you know, my mom has always said this. My mom has said, look, when 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 God doesn't God doesn't take away those people. Some you got to realize that there's a God. There's also a devil. You know, and that the devil takes, you know, some of these bad things that happen. It's not God's doing. Uh, it's the devil's doing. And I believe that as as somebody who has has a belief in, uh, like I said, spiritual and stuff. I believe that. But what I also told her, too, is I asked, her, well, what do you believe in? What is something that you believe in so heavily or something that you that you really put your faith into a lot? Right. And I put when I mean by faith, I mean something that just, you just you believe in this thing. This is what you move. This is what moves you sometimes. And um, she talked about the Zodiacs, you know, like, you know, horoscopes and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, guess what? That might be your God. That might be a version of God that's that speaks to you. And, uh, you know, I, I just come from the belief and I spoke about it on my on, on No Sweat Pimp as well about um, and I forget the exact damn name. And eventually I'll probably talk about it on a, on a solo podcast or with someone. But, you know, my belief is that God is like, you know, his lives in the in the in the subconscious as well um the voices that you might hear in your head that the decisions of certain things sometimes uh sometimes that can be that can be god in that realm you know um and that's why i believe that god is with all is within all of us that type of situation so um i say all that to say <laughs> i say all this to say that faith is important you know, believe whatever, believe in whatever you want to believe, but faith is faith is important. It's, it's good to believe in something. It's good to believe in something because if I could not imagine living in the world and not having a belief in anything at all, uh, whether it's negative or positive, like believe in something, you know, uh, like there's there, there's definitely something, in my opinion, divine out here that that moves a lot of things. Um, I believe if I could imagine what who God really is and what what he or she is doing for our world and our lives i believe that god is like the master teacher everything that is happening is just one of those things where it's like um you know it's 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 bad it's it's meant to happen it's one of those things where he's just waiting maybe for us his children quote unquote to uh to really figure it out and how long that takes is how long it takes but also one thing that I've noticed in my walk 
you know, my walk with God and my walk with Christ is that um, it's a relationship. So my thing is, is that we were talking about really love earlier, which is a great movie and stuff like that. But if you don't, if you don't devote enough time to a specific relationship, that relationship is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with God, your relationship with Christ, or your relationship mm. with anything that you believe in, um, if you don't have that relationship, just like a relationship with a significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your husband, or your wife, or your kids, or your aunts, or your mother, or your father, that re- that relationship is going to suffer. That's it, true. It's yeah. going to it's going to profoundly suffer. You know, I had to wake up one day and realize that God isn't. Uh, a lamp that I could just rub and then he comes out of and whatever it is that I want, I can tell him, hey, this is what I want and he's going to give it to me. It doesn't work that way. At least I Mm -hmm. found that it doesn't work that way. You know, there are things that come and go in life. Life does not stop. You see what I mean? I think not to get too profound here, but to me, life is suffering. And that's what it is. It's Christ was here for me my, in my belief. Christ was here when he, he he came here and he took the sins of humanity on on himself and he died on the cross. He came here to suffer for humanity. We we when 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 Adam and Eve ate off the tree of good and evil, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, God cursed uh, her seed was cursed. So. This world, this world that we're walking in right now, it's suffering, it's pain, it's loss, it's it's all these kinds of things. But that's just the way the world is. And I think in blaming everything uh, or not having, you know, like for me, it was so a lot of things happened in 2016 that I can't, you know, I, we don't have the time to talk about here on this podcast but a lot of things happened in 2016 after graduation when it came to my mental health, when it came to relationships, when it came to all these kinds of factors. And I blame God for it. I blame God for it because I said, why would you put me through this hell? Why would you make me suffer like this? Taking into consideration, there are people out there in other countries and even on uh, on this in, in the States right now that are going through far worse than I've ever gone through. Uh, what mm-hmm. I've gone through is a walk in a park to a lot of than, than what other people have gone through. But exactly, I, yeah. I, I, I was going through this crisis, and uh, I think that's the right word to say. It was a crisis, and uh, I'm not entirely sure if I'm even out of it yet. But I blamed God, and I was so angry and so frustrated because I was praying. I was I was doing all that. I felt that my faith was the strongest that is it was the strongest it's it's ever been. And then when things didn't go my way, I blame God for it. But I think in many ways, that was a lesson unto a lesson unto itself. My faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was. It was an illusion. I told myself my faith was strong like that. But when things didn't go my way, what did I do? I blamed God for it. Mm-hmm. That's a that that that's me. That's what I have to carry. That that's what I have to be truthful and honest with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I expected God to do this thing for me because I wanted it, but maybe that thing wouldn't have been best for me. I can't see all, all I can't see the end from the beginning. He's divine. Yeah. He's all knowing. He, I, I can't, I I'm human. I'm in the flesh. I can only see what's right in front of me. This computer screen right here. That's what's right in front of me. That's all I can see. I can't see what's going on outside in the street, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that experience taught me one thing is that, 
you may think your faith is this. You may think all these kinds of things, but uh, it just takes a bad day at the office to change everything. And um, maybe your faith isn't as strong as you thought it would, was. And I'm speaking directly yeah. to me. Um, my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was. And I think right now I'm still on this journey and this lesson in life to try to get back or, or even build my strength of uh, my faith and my relationship with Christ bigger, better than it was before, because what it was before was resting on one thing. And that one thing didn't come to fruition. I blame God for it. And th there can't be a mediator, a mediator or, or a medium between it. If I'm going to have a relationship with Christ, it needs to be me and him one-on-one. -on -one. It can't be because, oh, you know, this happened. I'm going to, or, or my mom's sick. I need to, you know, get a relationship with Christ. No, it's, it's, it's genuine. It's authentic. When you fall in love with someone, it's genuine. It's authentic. When you call them on the phone to see how they're doing and everything like that, it's stemming from a place of, of, of being genuine and authentic, growing a relationship with them and loving that person for who they are, despite the flaws, despite all those characteristics, that's accepting them. Christ accepts me. He accepts me. Mm -hmm. I didn't accept him because I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't accept this situation. So that's my walk right now with him. I'm still learning. I'm still growing spiritually. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see 10 years down the line or even next year how things play out, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just wanted to add that. No, that's great, man. That's that's really good. That's a good way just to – I mean, I, I like hearing that <clears throat> that aspect of, of just your faith and how you've moved along with it and um, – it's funny, man. It's like faith is faith for me is just it really became much more of a prominent thing for me to talk about once No Sweat Pimp came out, you know, and No Sweat Pimp. I speak a lot about it. Um, just so much different different ways uh, that I've spoken about it. And I think it's I think it's good to talk to more people about their faith and whether they have a faith or belief in anything. You know, it's it's, it's interesting to have those conversations. Uh, I will say one thing that one movie that you should watch. And this is for everyone to watch. I mentioned this. I mentioned this film on some other. I think I mentioned this film on another podcast that I was on. Not the excellent podcast, but some other podcast. And uh, it's called Reentry. Look it up in Vimeo. It's called Reentry. It's a film about a man who wakes up and talks to God. And that's all I'm going to say. It is a it. When I watched this movie. It was one of the most incredible perspectives that I've ever came across. I've ever heard of, of a belief in what, what and who God is. It was one of the most beautiful short films I've ever seen. And it's one of those movies that I kind of wish I made. I'm like, damn, this is incredible. The way this, this perspective, it, it was incredible. So look it up. It's called Reentry. Um, it, it might be on YouTube, um, or, but it's on Vimeo specifically. I've seen it on Vimeo um re-entry very very great movie very interesting perspective that i think will cause a lot of conversations uh in people's households and amongst their friends but to get to the end of this podcast man andrew i want to say thank you man for being here um thank you for being able to run round two of this podcast um yeah. i think this conversation was even more uh even more just like in depth about different things about full sale and our, our individual experiences, our shared experiences, but also just more about mental health and all these different things in the industry. Um, is there any like last 
motivational advice or inspirational advice you could give to anyone who is trying to be in these positions that we are in to trying to be, you know, become the next filmmaker in the world that's making waves. Uh, is there any advice that you want to give? My, my advice, um, my advice is this, if you're making, if you're making films and, um, I think I think you have to accept the industry and the art form for what it is. And I honestly believe, you know, I had this I had this notion of um, being accepted. Yeah, I've always I've always felt the need and the urge to want to be accepted. And that kind of stemmed into filmmaking. And when I found that, you know, there are people people actually have different opinions than me when I actually um, figured that out. And uh, not everyone's gonna like or see the work the way you see it. Um, it was a little difficult at first. Is for me, when you're making, when you when you're when you're working in this industry, um, as tedious as it may be, as draining as it may be, um, and overwhelming at times, uh, you have to stay true to that one thing that you really love. Yeah. And for me, it's always been storytelling. It's always been being able to communicate and engage with an audience or, or with a person. Um, like I said, I'm an introvert earlier on in this podcast, but I'm an introvert that desperately seeks to have communication or to converse with other people. And I use my ability as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, to be able to converse and have those conversations with other people. Um, and that, to me, is the biggest thing. Don't go to film school thinking this thing is going to make you be the next Steven Spielberg. Don't don't try to make this film and put, you know, mortgage your house uh, and, and put all this money into this one thing. And it's not received the, the, the way you wanted it to be received. It doesn't get accepted to South by Southwest or Sundance or something like that. I mean, make art for art's sake. I think, I think Scorsese has this one thing that he was talking about where he says he makes movies for himself. Like you can make movies for an audience or you can make movies for yourself. And uh, I think you have to ask yourself that question. Well, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to make movies specifically for me? Because you can, you can do that. You can go on the weekends and make movies and stuff like that and put it in festivals and stuff like that. It's your creation. And you, you made something that with your sensibilities or you can go ahead and, and, uh, and make something that's more appealing, more commercial, more business centric, and, you know, make it with the, 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 the wherewithal to actually make a profit off of. You know, all these different questions are things that you want to ask yourself when 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 starting out in the industry, what avenue to take in the industry, because there's not one um, there's not one set rule or one roadmap that you can do that's going to get you from A to B. Everyone that I've talked to um, and, and, and have been able to uh, interact, well, interact with on this journey They've all had they've all had different stories. They've all had you know different ways on how they broke into the industry. Not one exact way. Not all of us is gonna sneak in, sneak in, or sneak on the Universal lot. Say that we work there and begin to actually start working there, and then direct movies and TV shows and stuff like that. That's not gonna happen. In fact, if me and Stefan did that, we'd probably get arrested, and yeah. we'd be another we'd be another statistic. And, and we, we know don't why. Be, yeah, we don't want to be another statistic right now. So right now we're trying to do something. 
But um, yeah. to, 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 on a serious note, for everybody out there who, who's, who's interested in doing this filmmaking thing, um, just be authentic, man. Be genuine. And, you know, um, if you find yourself falling out of love with it, ask yourself and be, be honest with yourself. Why did you really get into it, you know? Um, because this, this, this career has so many ups and downs. Um, it can be draining. It can be tedious and all those kinds of things. But I would say hold on to that one thing that you, you really enjoy about the industry that you really love and just play that up. Um, that's honestly the best advice I can do is if you want to make movies, go make movies. You don't need a bachelor's to do it. You don't need someone's approval to do it. You don't need any, you don't need anything. Cause all those kinds of things, uh, you know, are great. Um, but all, it all starts with the, the, the belief that you want to do it. I think that's what we talked about before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this brief analogy. You have a rock in your hand, right? And you're looking out over a pond and you want to throw the rock across the, the pond and you know, you want the rock to go to the other side, right? Um, that idea in your head is right there is prevalent, but then that idea sparks a belief, your belief that you, in your abilities to actually take the rock that's in your hand and throw it all the way across the pond and have it hit on the other side, that's going to spark the action. If you truly believe in yourself, if you believe in what it is that you're doing um, and that this is what you're meant to be doing, it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter what you know roadblock comes your way. That belief is always going to spark the action to continuously keep doing it. You don't mm -hmm. need to be doing it on the scale that Ryan Coogler is doing it. You don't need to be doing it on the scale that Roger Deakins is doing it. As long as you're doing what it is that you love to do, that's all that matters. Beautiful. That's the best. That's that's the great. That's some really good advice, man. That's beautiful, and um, I think hopefully everybody who's listening to the podcast who might be interested in filmmaking or videography, photography, whatever or whatever kind of field that you take that you take that advice to, to heart, you know, um, and uh, you add it to your excellence. Um, Andrew, where can people watch your excellence? Where can people check you out? Social, your social media and all that kind of stuff. Uh, list all those for us. Well, you guys can check me out on Twitter. It's at Domville Andrew. You can also check me out at uh, Vimeo, Andrew Domville. Um, we, I, I am starting my own production company. We are getting ready to launch the social media platform. The Domville so, Company? The Domville Company. But, you know, think yeah. of it this way. I, I, listen, I wasn't that creative enough to come up with an actual cool name. I came up with some names. <laughs> I came up with like. That is Omni cool. Yeah, I but I came up with like Omniville. I came up with like you know, these. <laughs> I'm very, glad you did. I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> I came up with these really, really you know abstract names. But when I go, did a basic Google search, it seems like everybody and their mother has like a name or a production company name like that. So I said, what's unique? My last name is unique. Not everybody has it. The Domville Company. Think of it like the San Fran Company or the Walt Disney Company. I was like, let me just put the Domville company and, and have it go there. But our social medias and stuff will be launching very soon. We don't have those up yet, but um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be seeing some posts about that uh, pretty soon. Awesome. And I will list, I will list all the social medias by, by the time Domville company launches, if, if need be, by the time this launches, we'll put that in there. Um, but thank you, Andrew, once again, man, for being a part of the podcast 
Yeah. I appreciate it. This conversation was amazing. and I'm glad we could have it this Saturday morning. And uh, once again, everybody, thank you guys for watching the podcast, listening to the podcast. Remember to subscribe to SW Films and subscribe to the excellent podcast on YouTube, Vimeo, and of course, follow us all the different Facebook, Instagrams, and uh, all that good stuff. So thank you guys once again, and I will see you on the very next podcast. Thank you.